you are listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale is walking around on stilts. Fucked up. I like to spice our pee bottle. I'm looking for a drummer who will double as my I am Dave. Hi, I'm Feedy. And you are listening to the Thunder Clang Podcast. I knew you'd come back. Now, wait a second. <laughs> Me or no. the our wonderful listeners? Our wonderful listeners. They came back again. It's crazy. Hey, it's all right it's to all miss right. us, all right? I, mi- I missed you guys, too. I missed yeah, I missed you, too. I missed you, Feedy. Uh, well, I, I, honestly, I don't know why you'd say that. We see each other quite a bit. I know, but I, I miss you desperately in between those times. Well, cherish your moments with me, just like the audience should cherish their moments with us. <laughs> Are you demanding that the audience cherish? Yes. That whoa. This is our. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gift. Oh boy! Okay, I'm sorry. I can't even. <laughs> <Rick and Joe. laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. Kind of, fun, kind of, maybe a white elephant gift. Yes. Uh, of, yeah. Of, in the gift world, this would be more of a white. Like, yeah. here's your joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you sucker. stole it from your aunt because it was like kind of better than whatever you had. It's like before. a garden gnome. Yeah. It was kind of the head's yeah. broken off. Salt. Like, it could have been like a cat that holds like salt or something. Yeah. <laughs> I take. I mean, I have that at my house. You That's have a, actually I, what I stole from someone's aunt at a white elephant. But <laughs> still, that that level. That's what we are. To you. So, to you. But thank wow. you. <laughs> But thank you. Thank you for accepting our white elephant. Gift. I know. Yeah. So, Feedy, you've had a pretty exciting um, couple weeks of climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it turns out when you get kind of kind of fired from your job as a route setter. Yeah, you got it, canned. I got like a little last bit of, week's news, man. Yeah, I got a little. You know, I got put on the bench. You know, like I was psyched, like psyched and ready. But then they were like, like, let's be honest here, it ain't working out, kid. And, That's what they said to you. <laughs> It ain't working out, kid. In a in a word or less. But turns out when you're not sitting and tired all the time, you can go outside and you can climb on rocks, Dave. The uh the change that you have <laughs> demonstrated is quite stark. Like when you were setting all the time, you're yeah. constantly injured, yeah. like tweaked. Oh my fingers, my my tendonitis, my all the bones. Time. And then you quit. Or no, I'm I'm sorry, you didn't quit. That was not willful. Yeah. What the hell, Dave? Yo, you know shit it got canned, dog. Can. Yeah. Um, but holy moly, man, you've really taken off. Hey, thank you. You've... Um, you know, it's sometimes you, uh, climbing comes in waves. You know, some sometimes you just don't feel good, and then sometimes it feels right, and you just like you just gotta chase it as fast as you can. Chase that dragon. You, yeah, and then and then you're like have to know when to pull back because that's when most people get injured is when they just keep riding that wave yeah you gotta know when to pull out <laughs> excuse you um <laughs> uh, yeah well, what can i say it's been an exciting time Dave. well you broke you set your your personal best for climbing yeah and then the next weekend you solidified it with doing another that's one. right you gotta do it twice to make it i th- count okay <laughs> what i i think our guest talked about that yeah, actually, did he? Running an ultra marathon. Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, okay. He was like, oh, dude, I can't just do it once. It might have been yeah. a fluke. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It helps when, dude, living in Colorado, it's so it's so easy to 
drive 20 minutes and find a boulder that is like perfect for whatever you're looking for and there's or route or whatever. Or route. exactly and there's always people that are psyched as well and you can go and like oh, i thought you were gonna say there are always people there like spraying <laughs> you down and you always know the beta <laughs> you know just having access to psyched friends is such an asset to uh performing and pursuing my goals personally how do you think that i could get some friends Dave, some uh, some people who the step like me s- step one, Dave. You gotta start dressing cool, bro. Oh, right? you can't walk around wearing your khakis and your weird shade. But my hat. khakis have like five pockets on them. Yes, I, Dave. I'm just trying to help you, okay? I fucking love my guy. I and your weird phone in there, your weird shade cantaloupe. hat that looks like it's like a cowboy hat, but it has like a, a t- tarp on the back of it to cover your neck. Yeah, and well, the front has the it's the green visor, like yeah, the poker visor. It's just visor, not so gonna cut it. The, it's just gonna look Dave. at the sky. Dave, I didn't want to say anything. We were at the gym the other day, and when I was wearing I, that hat for the yeah, first time, yeah, you were like you were climbing pretty good, and like yeah. I was with the group of like cool, fun, loving. Yeah, I, I was actually looking at you guys pretty hard. I was, I know, staring. but they were like. Do you see that guy? Like, no, he's trying so hard. No, Vidi. Yeah, no. it was. I. I'm just saying, man. Step one: dress cool. Dress cool. Step two. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe just step one will get me there. Well, I'm gonna before the next <laughs> podcast. I hope to have a couple friends. Okay. And uh, maybe the first step is it doesn't hey, make any difference you know how what? hard they climb or anything like that. Maybe they just hang out with me. Yeah, you know what, dude? Like. Yeah, I'll, I'll introduce you to some. Yeah, M- maybe. No. Uh, okay. I'll bring you. I'll be like the person who brings you to the party and then doesn't acknowledge you. Oh, dude! I just got a new pair yeah. of cargo pants, and I got a new hat with a different, like, uh, different tarp on the mullet back. tarp. Back. Mul- yeah, mullet tarp. So I think I'll look really sharp. Could, and if you could not wear your like, what's that pattern that people? It's like a. It's just like stripy, basic, bitch. My Basic my Dave. old navy like uh, the shirt. Well, I yeah. only I have shirts that I go to interviews in, and they're like nice and buttoned down. Dude, you need to get one of those shirts where like the neck hole is like so it's like goes shoulder to shoulder and oh. goes down to like the sternum. Yeah, those are super in right now. Well, I have a third nipple, and it is at the very top of my sternum, and it gets infected all the time, and I can't wear wide. <laughs> neck shirts because of my, oh my weeping God. nipple scar oh my i didn't know that i'm so sorry it's okay maybe that's why i don't have who do we friends. have on the podcast today dude yeah <laughs> what a solid segue <laughs> oh no there we are um <laughs> we have a little technical difficulties anyway we have um wow what a guest uh i yeah. know that sounds uh cookie cutter but we have Brendan Leonard on the show. A.K.A. Semi-Rad. A.K.A. Hands on his head. A.K.A. Doodles for days. Uh, yeah, those things. I mean, his resume is far too long yeah. for us to even go through here. But you might know Brendan best from Semi-Rad.com, which is his long-running... Since 2011, right? Yeah, website since 2011. Since 2011, he's put out at least one post every single week and never ever missed a week and sometimes done too because he has a friday inspiration he was also an editor with climbing magazine mm-hmm. he is now um he's also an accomplished filmmaker very and comic yeah he comic, writes comics draws comics draws comics yes. yep 
um, he's an associate associate editor for Adventure Journal. Yeah, he is a columnist for Outside. Mm-hmm. He is a climber. This, this dude has his foot in all sorts of awesome adventure endeavors, and he's a fantastic writer. About yeah, him. he's a hell of a writer. He's also an author who's written like I think eight books. Yeah, um, which I just can't recommend highly enough, especially Sixty Meters to Anywhere which was published by yeah. Mountaineers and it's a wonderful book about addiction. He, he went through an addiction problem for years, but now he's on top of the world. Um, yeah, man, he, this is a special podcast yeah. for a couple of reasons. First of all, well, yeah, first of all, the Thundercling, we interview a lot of like solely badass climbers, but the point of the podcast when we started, it was always to interview awesome adventurers and awesome people so this this episode we feature somebody who isn't necessarily the strongest climber the most focused or like on one discipline but somebody who's got his his foot in all sorts of i think i just said that but (laughs) (laughs) i mean semi-rad is a perfect explanation of brendan right yeah he's never he's not gonna train hard enough to climb 514 he's not gonna run the four minute mile he's not gonna kayak class six but he's gonna do it all with passion and he's gonna freaking spin wonderful stories about it and the cool thing about this podcast is kind of broken into two parts so if you know anything about brendan which i imagine many of you do um for the first half of the podcast we're going to talk about a little bit about his life now there are a lot he's been on a lot of podcasts and he's talked about his life many times we don't focus too much on it in the show notes we'll put in some podcasts where he's talked about his struggles with alcohol and things like that in his early writing life the second half of the podcast we really really dig in to what it takes to make a living being a creative in the outdoor industry and quite frankly there might not be a better person to ask this question to. i don't think there is because yeah. this dude brendan has literally crafted a a, a living out of just his 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 blog, his stories, his adventures, and like, I don't know anybody else who does that really. Award winning. I mean, his last film has like 2 million views on YouTube. And 4 million on Vimeo. And yeah, it's a Vimeo staff pick, yeah. and it's about um, running his first ultra marathon. I would actually really bet a lot of you have seen that and not realized it was Brendan. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure I watched that a few years ago and thought it was awesome and had no idea it was brendan until i was rewatching, and i was like oh man that's a boy it's really exciting to meet this person so we were really really psyched um and another thing about this podcast this um episode is that it is very conversational like this is not an inter- interview this is three dudes sitting around my kitchen table talking about the brass tacks of living in the outdoor like living in an, an outdoor life and then trying to make a living telling stories of the life you're living. Um, so it isn't just a question and answer sort of thing. It rambles. And get out a pen and paper too. Because this dude recommends like 50 different yeah. books, movies, and music. Like you're going to want to jot this stuff down. Yeah. I, everything you recommend, I was like, all right. I'm, I'm highly, right. You know that it's quality recommendation because this guy clearly is obsessed with reading and finding the best fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. So you guys are going to love it. Um, finally stay tuned 
after the podcast, we are going to run a little contest for the Thunderclay listeners. We're going to have a giveaway. We're going to tell you how you can win some... Dave's old socks. Yeah. that One of my uh, mullet visors. Oh, we're going to be giving away I mullet actually visors. Would, my neck gets sunburned a lot. So. That's right. Or we may be giving away free t-shirts free and t-shirts. stickers. Yeah. Um, so we'll tell you about it on the back end. Until then, enjoy Brendan Leonard. I would only lean one way. I probably lean... <laughs> Be like, no, size me up, half size me, like, yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> I had a guy come in, it was like the last two weeks I worked there, so I knew I had climbed a, a few times and knew a little bit about forces and like you know, physics and stuff, yeah. Climbing, and he was like, Yeah, I just bought a, a penthouse on the 10th floor of a building in Manhattan, you know, I'm gonna live there part time, and I need a rope just in case there's like a fire. Oh my god, and I go, well, What do you mean? Like, isn't there a fire escape? Whoa. And he goes, well, just in case, you know, I need I need a rope, like, to get my family to safety. And I go, well, do you climb? And he goes, no. And I go, so have you ever rappelled before? And he's like, no. I just, you know, just I wanted, he wanted, wanted to buy this. <laughs> and, like, every question I had, he was kind of like, I mean, the def, the guy was going to leave with some climbing equipment yeah, no matter like, what. So, finally, I was kind of like, you should probably, like, go to a climbing gym and learn how to use this stuff. Yeah. And also, what are you going to anchor the rope to? It's like, not, a yeah. refrigerator? And I, he's like. Yeah, or something. I don't know, whatever. And he, I said, well, so do you want to buy a harness too? And he's like, do I need one? I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> 10 stories <laughs> up. Because, I mean, the friction. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I ended up selling him two harnesses, like enough stuff for him and his wife to repel. And I said, do you want harnesses for your kids? And he goes, nah, we'll be okay. And I was what? like, this guy is totally just going to like, I don't like, is he like looking at a movie poster of like, Sylvester Stallone yeah. or something. Anyway, he's like, he's like gonna carry it. Like, I was like, I will sell you all these things, but if you ever use this stuff, you never bought this stuff here, and you never talked to <laughs> you me. You never okay? talked to me because like, it was like, I mean, at the time, it was probably four hundred dollars worth joke. of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it was. I think it was like. Uh, <laughs> at least you were honest. You know, part of the part of the thing that people like to do is just buy tools. They don't necessarily like Fuck, to use yeah. them. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. oh, if I have a bunch of tools, then I'm. Yeah, I think it was some sort of deep seated need to provide for the family or something. And he's like, oh, I got a rope just in case. And his wife was probably like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> We're gonna use the fire escape. There's a fire department. Yeah, exactly. you know, like, Kids, hurry! It's not like like what is this building like grandfathered into city codes in in New York and doesn't have a fire <laughs> escape and this guy's just gonna like man. I just had this vision of him just like trying to flake this rope out of the package and just this huge knot and being like giving up. I'm like, okay, we should use the fire <laughs> escape. Well, yeah, oh. people have like a weird expectation on themselves of like I could do that. Like if the, you know if it's a fire, I could rappel out that window and like never out. having any practice <laughs> there's, there's an onion article a long time ago and it was just like it was something like uh 78 of males you know think they would <laughs> yes. be more effective in a fist fight than they yes. are or something oh like that dude yeah. every now and then the onion just comes out with such a it's just <laughs> so on point there are headlines i remember for for 10 years yeah like, you know, like i remember when that was like average american groundhog more productive than most college like <laughs> students like <laughs> Babies are dumb is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> they like a baby, a human baby, and like a hedgehog baby or something. Like they poked them both with sticks. It was like the human baby just laid there and cried, and you know the the whatever animal it was at least rolled over to protect itself. And like, 
<laughs> Denny's introduces Denny's. just big bucket of ham and eggs. <laughs> Ice cream eaten to quench thirst. Yeah. I have no idea how we got there. We're well, gonna go back to. Well, anyways, you so you first time you climbed, you hated it. Yeah. So, but it, wouldn't you say that? Like, I guess, how did you come around to it? Because um, I ended up so I climbed about I don't know four or five times with the guys I worked with, and yeah. like. Straight outside, did not go to a gym at all. Just went to um, Camelback Mountain in Phoenix, where it's a really fascinating place. It's just a mountain that rises straight out of the city, and there's actual, there's a few rock climbing routes on it. And the rock in the lower part is not great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just didn't like, was just like typical gripped beginner, like not trusting my feet, trying to, yeah, you know. Um, and yeah, I just didn't think it was fun at all the first, yeah, four or five times. And then, Moved to Denver and was like, God, I got all this stuff. You what know, brought so, you to Denver? Uh, I it was too hot in Phoenix for me. <laughs> hot in Phoenix. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, it was like nine. I remember it being above ninety degrees after ten p.m. in October, and I thought, <laughs> I don't think I can do this because that's like. I mean, I don't even. I think it's too hot here for me in Denver. Wow. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and a friend, my friend from college, lived here. He was a lifty couple seasons at Breckenridge and then lived in Denver in the off season. And uh, yeah, seemed like a good idea. And we took, we actually took a climbing lesson with a guide at garden of the gods. And the guy <laughs> just for some reason it stuck that time. He's like, use your feet, breathe all the, you know, just like this slabby little thing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it's on, what's it called? Kindergarten rock. I think there's just this little top rope area and it was great. And I'm like, Oh wow, this really is. I, oh, cool. I can do okay. this, you know? So the, yeah, and then from there on, I think I bought the guidebook, Front Range Top Ropes. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Sure. It's probably 15 years old yeah, now. Yeah, I remember that more. one. Yeah, and would just go around all these crags and be like, oh, does it have, can you walk up the back and yeah. set top ropes? And <laughs> <laughs> some pretty weird places. And then, you know, within, I don't know, a few, probably five or four or five times, just started leading climbs and, you know, not great climbs. And it was sort of just like the blind leading the blind and, where were you like castlewood oh god yeah i went there like once and just thought it i just hated it like it's, <laughs> dude it's the cobbles of denver how could you it is but i don't like i'm it's garbage isn't maple canyon cobblestone too that's the real deal right that's like beautiful yeah. cobblestone climbing um castlewood's like <laughs> maple's deformed child Right, and it's all like forty feet tall, and there's rattlesnakes everywhere. Rattlesnakes and like, everywhere. And like, you look at it, and you're like, I don't know that much about geology, but these things don't seem like they're all in here very well, you know? Because you see all the holes from where all the cobblestones yeah, have they popped come out, out yeah. and like, and it's just like, you know, I've had I've had a good day there with some people who, the guy who wrote the guidebook, Tom Hansen. Yeah, uh, I've had a good day there later in my career, but early on, I was just like, this is not fun, and it's. It's east of I-25, which is really weird. And it's, I, I think it, I think I described it as it would be the best climbing area in Kansas. <laughs> yes. which I don't yeah. think Kansas has any climbing. I don't but think But if so. you moved Castlewood there, it would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all but relative. It's in, yeah, it's in Colorado. <laughs> so you're like, why would we drive there when we could just go yeah. literally anywhere else in the front range and have a better time? Um, when you first moved to Denver, you go to Castlewood and you go to North Table, Golden Cliffs. Oh, yeah. And then at some point you never ever go back again. Unless it's January and you're like, man, it's going to be like 40, 
40 degrees today, yeah. but if we go to go to Table Mountain, it's like 62 and sunny, we can climb. <laughs> and it's not great, but it's not inside. And, yeah. yeah. No, we we actually spent a lot of time at uh, Red Rock Canyon in Colorado Springs, which is just a slabby uh, red sandstone that's not even that great. But I had a lot of fun days there that were like it was you know you could lead. There's like a five five sport out there, you know, and you would you just work your way up. And there's it's it's like very friendly, and if you fall, you just slide down sandstone. <laughs> and you're like, ah, cool, this is fun. So My you, skin. It's a great place to just build confidence. And yeah, I didn't realize till later that I don't really. I just have huge calves, so like slab climbing doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, yeah. people hate it. I'm like, oh, no, this is fun. I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't get pumped. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. my legs. Yeah. So. What were you doing when you came to Denver? Like a job didn't bring oh, you Oh, yeah. Here? I worked at, um, I got a job. Uh, did I get the job over the phone? I think I might have gone in for an interview, but it was the, the Rocky Mountain News, which was a oh. newspaper. Um which I'm is gone. a thing you used to like you used to read the it was a oh, yeah. it was a way of getting yeah. the news where it was like made out of paper, paper, paper and you unfolded it huh, and weird. there would be stories inside and then there would only be one of them for the day and then <laughs> the next day there would be more news than the next one anyway they, they they did this it was called the community journalism initiative and it was there was like 30 people and we were going to cover the entire metro denver area but we were expecting people in you know golden or lakewood to submit stories to the paper um which is sort of kind of like the small town iowa newspapers that i grew up with in this way where it was like the really small towns i remember this section in my hometown newspaper it was like alta vista iowa and it would be like well norman betty johnson had you know oh yeah Teresa over for dinner on sunday night and like the pork roast went yeah, great there was a oh, you know it was like these little these little snippets in we tried and tried and nobody sent stuff in. You would be like begging people like, can you just send me a photo yeah, of the something. Pinewood Derby, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is pre, like Facebook had started. I wasn't even on Facebook until I left there. So I was like, this is like 2008 to 2010. Is that right? No, no, no. 2000, 2005 to 2008. Um, so I was working there making terrible money. Um not really feeling like I was using a journalism degree that much. Um, it was fine, but everybody I worked with, nobody did anything in the outdoors. There was like a couple people who skied sometimes. And other than that, it, you know, it was just an office and, you know, people in the office would say, what'd you do this weekend? And kind of like, oh, nothing. You know? <laughs> it was, you just didn't, there was no way for us to relate, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was fine. It was a fine job, but the whole time I was just hustling and like trying to, trying to get magazines to print my stuff. And I actually went through, kind of did a really, like did forensics on my career to try to figure out how how much I got paid for things. Because <laughs> I was writing a, I wrote a blog called Lessons from Eight Years of Writing an Adventure Blog. Oh, So like yeah. 2005, or 2004 dark. to 2012, I'm just trying to get published by anybody. And I, I mean, I, I wrote for this blog and they paid me I put it in the post. I think they paid me like $15 a week to do like two or three posts, you know. Damn. How many words? They were really short. They wanted them less than like 50 words or 80 words or something like that. And they, they paid me per word. And if somebody, it was, it was ridiculous. And we all had like pen names. And it was what this, was your, I think pen. run out was my pen name, but it was this like snarky blog. And I'm really glad my name wasn't attached. To it. <laughs> it was so stupid. And, but they paid me like, you know, I would make an extra, 
hundred, two hundred dollars a month, you know, at that point. And that's big, man. At that time it was huge. Yeah. And I eventually got a story for the Mountain Gazette and from you know, from there I thought, Oh wow, this is that was a hundred bucks for one article. Yeah. It was real writing and so I started writing for them. Were you their digital Faye. editor? At one point, uh no. What were you? What I, I reviewed media. Media. So I would review books and films actually for a print magazine which was it was fun you know yeah how was working for Fahey Fahey was he's amazing I mean he's a legend <laughs> he's so he's, he's old so old school I mean I actually have stayed at his house a couple times in Silver City yeah New Mexico um <laughs> so we we came through I'd never met him before we just talked on the maybe we hadn't even talked on the phone but I had written tons of stories for him and he just seemed to get like the first story I sent him, I just said, Hey, I'm a huge fan of the magazine. Cause it just seemed like the only soulful place where you could actually write an essay about the mountains or whatever. Yeah, man. And he printed the first thing I ever sent him. And from then on, it was like, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And he would give me a few assignments or whatever. And I was writing for him pretty regularly. Uh, but yeah, we stayed with him. We were doing a cross country bicycle tour and stayed with him. And then, you know, I'd see him, Maybe I saw him at a trade show once and it was like, he was not comfortable there. Uh, it's not, it was imagine. not his scene at all. He's like this guy who does storytelling still in bars and like he just goes and sits down at the bar and chats with people and that's how he gets his stories. And it's this incredible old school way of writing. And I loved it, you know, and uh, he, we were driving. So we did, I did a story for Climbing Magazine about the Oregon Mountains, which is a really scrappy place to climb outside of... Uh, uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico that I'd seen on our bike tour. I was like, what are those things? They look like, like sand Tetons or something, you know, they're, they're, it's an incredible looking mountain range and there's like not trails. It's all bushwhacking. There's, you get up, you know, like there's reportedly a bolt on this climb, (laughs) you know, maybe it's in, you get up there and it's like a quarter inch bolt. And it's the only thing for like, it's a pretty insane place to climb, but, uh, the God, there's a 1600 foot, like five seven trad route on wow. really good rock back there yeah brutal approach but really cool place anyway we my wife then girlfriend and i are um we're driving to white sands on a, just an off day like we'd climbed all day the day before i'm like ah, we'll take a day off and we're driving through alamogordo new mexico and we're driving down like a four lane road through town and i'm talking about john fahey because i'm like yeah they live in silver city it's yeah. a really interesting town I like to listen to fahey talk about it it's pretty amazing and we're talking i'm driving the van i look over and this guy is passing me and he just stayed in the same speed and i look over and this guy's waving at me and i go to hillary there's john fahey uh, no way yes. <laughs> holy shit so we pull over and he goes ah you guys should come over and spend the night and you know fan i'll cook dinner you know blah 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 and you know and I was like, what have you been up to? And he goes, he goes, oh, I've been in Oklahoma, like covering uh, tornadoes and, you know, weather. Like he's, I'm writing some story about whatever. And he goes, man, they, they had softball size hail the other night. Can oh you my- fucking imagine that? <laughs> and he's, I mean, he's just an incredible storyteller. The, my favorite story I've ever heard of him, I've ever read of his is, it was for the, they used to do a bar issue for the Mountain Gazette. And Fahey would write this huge intro and, He's talking about being in a bar in Leadville, like doing a business meeting, because of course that's where he does them, like whatever, three o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday. And he's, it's only one guy in the bar, and it's him and his buddy, and they're ordering beers at the bar or whatever. And the bar, the bartender's standing there, and Fahey goes, Man, you know, one time I was in here, I was sitting at the bar on a Saturday night, and things were getting pretty rowdy. 
and the guy, there's three guys sitting next to me, and one of them goes to punch the guy in the middle because they've been <laughs> arguing, whatever, you know, and I notice it's getting, they're getting pretty animated, and he goes to punch the guy just as the guy, like, ducks out of the way, ends up punching the guy next to him, knocking him out of his chair onto the floor, <laughs> and he tells this whole story, and he goes to the bartender, he's like, how long have you been working here? Do you remember this story? And the guy goes, no, and the guy at the bar just lifts his head up and goes, that was me. <laughs> I, I got punched. <laughs> what the oh heck? Oh my god! Yeah, it's amazing. This, and this is just the way he told he did his stuff. He's the know? master of coincidence. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just a legend, man. He, yeah, his up and smoke book, like isn't that what it's called? Up and smoke, smoke signals. Smoke signals. That's yeah. It. Like ninety percent of it takes place at a bar. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. Okay, so anyway, at the Mountain Gazette, is that where you got your addiction piece? published mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was kind of groundbreaking that was like the first real magazine story i ever had for yeah for a hundred bucks it was a hundred bucks hundred bucks yeah i think that's how maybe i was introduced to your writing yeah maybe around then did you write for them never did hmm. you should have yeah i would have loved to i think Fahey was a huge hunter thompson fan that's that's what I think of when I think of your writing is Hunter Thompson. Oh, so God. You would have been. It's a big combo. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think his, stuff, his early stuff was really great. I have a quote from The Great Shark Hunt, uh, his essay about, I think it's in there, essay about breakfast. I don't remember. I had somebody make it into a needlepoint. It's, <laughs> it's, it's something along the lines of uh, anyone with a terminally jangled lifestyle needs at least one psychic anchor every 24 hours and mine is breakfast and he, he goes on to describe the ideal breakfast which Whoa. would fill like you know multiple tables and includes <laughs> cocaine and whatnot and oh, yeah exactly. it always just stuck mental with me. anchor what you, psychic psychic anchor, anchor. Whoa. Yeah. i wish he was still around man he was an underrated political writer and can you imagine him fucking dancing through this mess That's right now all, when it's like when exactly what we need did you i mean you've read fear and loathing on the campaign trail oh 72. yeah yeah think about that guy well in his prime think about him covering the 2016 election like i that's all i, I kept saying was like this was made for hunter thompson <sighs> but i mean i think the last couple decades of his life were pretty not good pretty bad i had a friend actually who interned for him Oh, really? that she was probably the worst talk job about ever. it. Yeah, I mean, he—I think it was during the time he shot his assistant accidentally. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, I have a peacock feather from one of his peacocks. Oh no shit! And a pen that was—she uh, just took off his oh desk one day. I thought, oh wow. Was that when he was writing for ESPN? Yeah, was, yeah, I think so. His writing for ESPN is not great. It's not Hunter S. Thompson. He's just lost the spark and living on like fumes well he was like he would get out of bed at like four seven yeah whatever and then he would have to do tons of drugs and drink like a long time for like five hours just feel normal again yeah can you imagine yeah it's not good i heard a big problem for him too was that he became so well known that it was hard for him to do like the style of writing he really liked or in Mm. terms of journalism but i would say he's i can believe that i him and like Bukowski and a couple others are like the most copied writers ever. Like every writer goes through a Hunter S. Thompson phase. Phase, like every, you, every male writer. For every sure. male writer. <laughs> yeah, you need to like. You want to sh- be him for a while. Yeah. Oh, totally. And you need to like wring it out of your system. Yeah, we're gonna edit this out, so I'm gonna clap. But I, <laughs> I, I my first article for Deadpoint. You remember Deadpoint magazine? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 
my first article. Wow. I love Dead Point. Long time ago. They make fly fishing real things now. Yeah, all, it's all fly fishing. <laughs> you go to dpmclimbing.com, it links you to their new business, which is like fly fishing equipment. Uh, yeah, it's true. I Matt. wonder if they get any traffic from that. If people are just like, I don't know. fly fishing. Well, b- climbers turn to fly fishers, apparently. Oh, that's all right. of Dave's friends. Oh, I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was just climbing and saw me fly fishing this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening. Uh, anyway, I sent it to the editor, Matt Stark, and it eventually got published, this article. But he was like, hey, um, God, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, maybe you can send me the version next that you weren't trying to write like Hunter S. Thompson. No! Like, literally, it was too stark, super early in my writing career yeah. as well, like 2008. And I was just like, oh, my <coughs> God. So that was very difficult. I don't know. I haven't seen – I don't know if you see as many people imitating it, but I haven't seen anything that reminds me of him as much as you're writing about climbing. And I think – I don't know. I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing. So do you still climb, Brendan? You know, I've just been climbing with my mom uh, in Iowa at the only Whoa. climbing gym in Iowa. Like climb Iowa? Yeah. Whoa. So is that the one in Kelly or no? Ames? It's in uh, it's Grimes. 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 Well, they, they just opened a bouldering location in uh, downtown Des Moines, the East Village. Whoa. So, but I, uh, yeah, I kind of got away with, from it and got into ultra running a bunch. And yeah. Then, uh, but I go back there and my mom has retired and now she's climbing. That's awesome. Twice a week. Holy so crap. She's, but she has this crew of ladies who are, <laughs> they're all in their kitties, 74. Uh, everybody else is in their 60s except Kelly, who's, I think she's in her early 50s maybe, or mid 50s. And they just climb and give each other shit. Like Dude, that dry makes me so happy. And, I know. I want to, I keep like, I'm going to make a film about them. Yeah. I don't know if I have... <laughs> I don't know if I I need to go back for about two weeks and do it, but um, I need to get somebody to shoot the the video, and I also need to talk to the climbing gym uh, manager owner because oh like you God, need to I think you need to be up high for some of it, and I kind of want to be like make sure it's cool with their insurance. And yeah, I think we actually need to just go in early and do it. Um, but they're they're <laughs> funny, man. You know, they're just hilarious, and the you know Kitty was top rope and like. 5'11". Holy shit. At 74? Uh, she was 72. She just tore a rotator cuff in oh. like October and had surgery. So she's gonna she's kind of relaxing a little bit. But they're like, they're just like, that's what they do. And my mom is like, this is her community. Dude, that's so important. She, she drives an hour to, you know, one each way to go down there and climb with these ladies. And like, that's, if she didn't have that, I, I would be worried about yeah. her getting bored. Yeah. And like, oh my God. But yeah, it's, it's awesome. And they just like... <laughs> It's so fantastic. It's really fun, you know, and that's insane. It's not what man. you think of when you think of climbing. You're like, oh, yeah, young, shirtless, like whatever people. <laughs> no. and, like that's the best thing in the world to me in this place where there's no climbing culture. There's no climbing areas. It's, yeah. And and they belay each other because they don't like, you know, what's the, you know, what's the fun to do in auto belays? Like no, yeah, if, when seriously. you're there with your friends and there's like four of them, you know, sometimes five Maybe there's six of them sometimes, but yeah. So that's what I've been doing mostly. Um, it is but, a brave new world, man. Yeah. <laughs> Usually yeah. it's like eating cinnamon buns at like Wingus Cafe on the corner, you know, every morning. Especially that's the community in Iowa. Yeah, especially there, like in the Midwest. It yeah, that's what you I'm don't saying. have the like, and people are getting more and more active there. I think. You yeah. Know, bike trails and stuff that are that are, you know, being 
built and everything. But, uh, but traditionally it's just been like, you have kids, you chill out, you get probably fairly unhealthy and yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's cool. <sighs> I need it. Uh, I'm jealous. I wish my parents had like <laughs> a fraction of the willingness to like do try it. Yeah. Are they in Iowa city? No, they left, uh, they're in New York, but like, I'm just like, you guys need to do something. Like they don't have, they don't have like a thing, you know, no hobbies, at no all. no hobbies. And it's like, you guys are going to go crazy. Are just, they retired? No, they're still yeah. working, but it's, it's a time bomb. <laughs> you know, I, I, my dad, I would not say, I would say he does not have a lot of hobbies and I've witnessed him. Like he got up at you know, five in the morning, six days a week for 42 years to be a butcher at fairway, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and manage, the, manage the meat department. And I'm really impressed with that guy's ability to chill out. Like he's yeah. having a great time. He's like, he's getting reading some books, a lot of <laughs> golfing, but it like takes several naps. He sleeps till nine some days. Oh, like beautiful. I'm home and I'm like, that's great, Dad. Yeah. yeah. He earned it. But he's not like he's not like, oh, I'm gonna take up, you know, watercolor painting or photography mm-hmm. or anything. But he's just like having a good time and relaxing, like after working 70, 80 hours a week for Dude. long. So <laughs> and he has a community job. of guys that he hangs yeah. out with, which is really good too. Um, but yeah, for sure. Community. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Was was there a specific thing that made you like step away from climbing? Or was it just like that your interests like broadened out? Well, like bat like looking backwards at it uh or look from this perspective i uh we were my buddy and i so i i would say i never i didn't climb with that many people stronger than me so Mm -hmm. i was ended up sort of like and i like to do long um trad and alpine routes that were you know like topped out at like probably five eight but five nine ish sometimes but you end up in like a lot of spaces where if you fall, you're going to hit a ledge. And like, yeah. I had some scary moments for sure and got off route a couple times. Oh, like, really bad. Like, if I don't get up this, like, yeah, I'm going to factor two onto a belay that's like a piton no. from 1945. I'm also <laughs> going to hit my buddy and we're, you know, like, whatever. Um, and uh, so I think I had a pretty bad relationship. I wasn't strong, you know, didn't go to the gym much. So I get into these places where I was very terrified and just try to get through it which i yeah. did never never got you know never had an accident which is pretty amazing um but was it 2013 i think or 2012 i was with my friend chris and we we're climbing castleton tower the core Ingalls route and mm. have you guys done that i don't know it's terrifying castleton tower is that in utah yeah right outside Moab. Yeah. is it so Huntley Ingalls found it uh, yeah in a usgs he was working for the usgs i think in like early 60s and called Leighton Core and said, "You got to come out and see this thing." And legends, yeah. Man. And they go out God. and do the do this route, which is now five nine, um, but has some of the cracks have calcite in them, and calcite's really slick. And yeah, like, you get in there and you're like, "I can't believe this is this slick." You know, yeah. it's like it's like a buttered <laughs> piece of metal. You know, oh my and, God, and uh, it's in the crack. And then later, there, apparently, there's an off width that you know, if if I was a European guide, I would put a bolt there but you know we're americans so we're like who would bolt that don't bolt uh, that shit i'll kill you your fist yeah <laughs> it's even, but it's off with right so i don't even think of like a number six anyway i don't know the i don't know the upper pitches because we got to the top i led the first pitch and was like man this is pretty spooky you know yeah and um there's a group of ha- uh, a couple ahead of us and they we waited for them to get to the top of the, the pitch and my buddy chris took the rope and started up and i said you know hey this guy who just led that pitch um he said there's a loose rock like i think you can see it about whatever Jeez. 35 feet up in the crack so be careful and he goes okay cool and he goes man i'm not touching this thing but it does not look good and 
he climbed around it without actually even touching it. And he goes, you know, I don't think he, I don't know if he said anything. I think he yelled rock and this rock came out of this crack and it just like hit something, exploded into a bunch of pieces. And well, knowing that, you know, I'm on a ledge that's yeah. probably, I would guess it was 10 feet wide by like four feet deep, maybe something like that. And I had sort of extended my belay so I could jump either way in case a huge rock came down. So the thing what blows is- up and I just kind of duck and it lands on our rope in like three different pieces and cuts our rope in three places. Oh. And Chris is up there and I, I think I, I, I go, he's like, man, I didn't even touch it. It just fell. I just like yeah. saw sand coming out of the bottom and whatever and i think we decided i would just lower him and see if any part of the rope was i think it was core shot in a couple of spots anyway doesn't matter i got him he lowered down and he's like picking up the rope going i think we still have about 40 meters here oh come on man! i'm like fuck i'm going home i don't give a shit about this class that's terrible these two kids below us college kids from colorado college um they're waiting and i go you guys can just go ahead we're trying to figure out if we're gonna keep going or not yeah uh, this kid Peter starts up, gets about twenty five feet above the belay, and he goes, "Hey Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest on this. You know, can you take? Because he'd put a cam oh. like, like a number four in the crack, and he goes to lean back, and the thing just pops out. He comes flying. <sighs> that was his last. Maybe there's a piece ten feet off or something, but he comes flying down, hits his foot, and lands literally on his face right next to me, like on the ledge, like, like, boom, I can still hear his face hitting and immediately has a seizure, um, and is unconscious. And we, we clip him into our anchor. Um, gosh. And anyway, we, we start to, you know, put together this rescue and the guy above us actually happened to be a wilderness EMT. So he rappelled down. So, and his girlfriend partner was up above and Zach, the kid who was belaying was like 50 feet below Jeez. us. And, uh, anyway, it takes five, six hours, five, yeah, six hours to get this guy off. Cause it was full on search and rescue, whatever. They brought in a helicopter. Oh my uh, we're God. We're there dark. And you know, at the time I was like, man, that was, that was fucked up to see that. Like, yeah. Cause you don't, I don't see people deck very often. No, like, that's like a way. horrible deck. It seems like, Oh yeah. Um, a couple weeks later I ended up, meeting peter for coffee and he was more or less fine um a couple know. weeks later yeah he didn't like fracture his i think he broke up i can't remember the story now but i think he might have broken his orbital or you know yeah um but pretty much he was okay and he ended up going to the peace corps um i haven't kept up with him since then wow. anyway i like this accident was yeah. it was no big deal i didn't think but then i you know i just realized after that year i was like i'm not gonna quit climbing this is what i do i'm a contributing editor for climbing magazine blah 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 and i kept going out and i was like man i'm not really having that much fun you know i ended up writing a guidebook co-writing a, a guidebook to easy trad in the front range with mm-hmm. my buddy so like that next summer i had to be like i think we had to we put 40 routes in this guidebook so we each had to write up 20 routes and yeah take that's photos and what's that i said it's a lot of climbing like a lot of work and that's i call that like guidebook light you think about people who put yeah, together like it's insane like the eldo guidebook like steve levin did like that is amazing yeah you know the <laughs> south platte guidebooks like those sorts of things we just did 40 routes that are multi-pitch and so i'm all over the front range and i'm like not not having a great time and i'm like i'm just like kind of, kind of tired of being scared all the time and i did one last thing which was had my buddy teach me to climb big walls in zion and we're they were like day day two of we decided to split lunar ecstasy into two days and i had a lot of fun actually leading aid climbs which 
most people Crazy. hate aid climbing, right? So, <laughs> like, why would you do that? You know, why don't you do something fun like climbing? You know, <laughs> but it was just this cool like set of skills, you know, to have. And um, it's my friend Ethan, you know, I kind of got him into writing uh, because he, he had approached me. He needed a mentor for a Prescott College course about writing. Yeah. He's like, "Will you, you know, kind of mentor me through this?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure," you know, and. And I think that was part of our deal. Like you teach me to climb big walls and we'll do it. And <laughs> he actually ended up writing. He's, I think he's probably the youngest person to write a mountain profile for Alpinists because he wrote the the mountain profile for Zion. Nice. Which is man, a sprawling art. Yeah. And he doesn't really write that much anymore, but he's a fantastic kid, like really interesting the way his brain works and was super dialed. But he's like, the deal was I would lead the easy pitches. He would lead the hard pitches. And he's like, you know, those things take forever. We're doing like... <laughs> I think we had five pitches left on the second day and you're just looking up at this you know sheer wall with this crack going up and i'm just waiting all day going i like i just have tons of dread you know because i'm the whole day i'm like you're gonna have to finish that second pitch where there's a bolt missing <sighs> and you don't really never used a hook before and it's yeah. going to be, and I'm like, man, what time does it get dark? It gets dark at 8, 12. <laughs> I'm doing the math the whole day going, yeah. this sucks. I don't like, I don't not having fun doing this. I need to take a break from climbing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I did the pitches, which is, it was one of the best moments of my life. It was just like totally perfectly scary. And like, you're like, ah, you know, all the buses had stopped going up and down Zion Canyon. It's just pitch it's dark. Quiet. And you're just in your own little personal hell with your head. <laughs> and just like, Sounds about right. Like, how do I get like this? Wait, why didn't somebody replace the bolt? You know, and like, I, uh, I need to do, it was like three hook moves in a row. And, you know, it was, it probably wasn't that big of a deal, but I can hear Ethan down there, like a hundred feet away, listening to like a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> See a little speaker. And I'm like, fuck that guy. Dude. That's aid climbing right yeah, there. Yeah, but it gets to the top, and I'm like, that was the, that was the funnest, one of the funnest, coolest things I've ever done. And I had been looking up at the walls in Zion for, at that point, probably what eight years, wondering what it was like up there, and it was pretty cool to do it. Oh and yeah, Zion's fucking incredible. Yeah, and then just like I was just like, you know, I'm gonna take a break and do other things, and I kind of. um if you want to be a climbing writer, it's pretty limited to like what you can do. You know, you're like, you're going to write for climbing, rock and ice and alpinist. Yeah. And beyond that, your skill set really, you know, people don't care about climbing. If you go out to any non-climbing event or, you know, set of people and be like, people are, you're like, oh yeah, I'm a climber. They're like, oh, have you climbed Everest? And like, that's, ah. all, that's all they know, which is, I mean, that's fine. Oh. It's like, I can't imagine what it's like for people in the military you know like yes. they have no clue what they do and, yeah but uh so you don't you don't really like what can you do beyond that and there are other things i think that are more relatable to to like write about and i kind of had to had this uh i had interviewed kelly cordis actually for the dirtbag diaries in like 2010 and the whole concept of the episode is about what's hardcore and Kelly, I, the, the point of me talking to him was you're really hardcore, Kelly, because you've done these insane climbs in Pakistan and yeah. been out of water for like whatever, 52 hours and dropped <laughs> half the rack. And, it, you know, I had to repel off a Josh gym. Wharton. Yeah, just this stuff. And he's he goes, oh, I don't know about that. You know who's really hardcore? my friends who are ultra runners and I go, what is, he goes, yeah, you know, in the mountains it's, and this is a great point It's always stuck with me. Um, he said, you know, in the mountains, it's easy to get yourself into a situation where you have to keep moving or you'll die. 
you know, you get to the top of a climb and you still have to get down. It doesn't matter if you're out of water. It doesn't matter if you're in a whiteout. All mm-hmm. these things, you just got to keep going. Or you get halfway up and you got to rappel down or you get halfway up and you have no choice but to go over the top and come back down. He goes, you think about these guys running 100-mile <laughs> races? Like, they get to mile 50? I guarantee you nobody's having out. fun at that point. And you go by this aid station where they got a fire going and it's dark and and, you, and you're cold. And he goes, what's stopping you seriously from just sitting down and saying, I'm out. Give me a beer and a bag <laughs> yeah. of chips. I'm yeah. done. He goes, that's hardcore. And it stuck with me for whatever, five years until I did my first ultra. Dude. And then it's, it is an insane place to go to, you know, like you, the, the motivation to actually keep going oh at those God. times you are what are you functioning on you are on fumes right and so that that i, I call it it's just like mountaineering without without the fear of death you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. all yeah, the pain it's and pure, suffering pure suffering yeah it's like also what does keep you going you've run one now you made a movie about well, did, it like yeah, i just did one in north carolina 100 mile race oh you, you just another? did another yeah, one yeah and well yeah because i gotta you know like one could be a fluke right you gotta, yeah you gotta, dude twice dude um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you think about like, so yeah, we, we did this one, uh, in Steamboat Springs for a film that we did for REI. And at that point I'm producing slash and directing a film about, you know, and Jason and I, the, the whole pitch of the film, which is the biggest film budget I've ever worked with, not huge by, you know, regular standards, but to me it was a lot of money and we had to deliver. And, you know, we talked about it earlier in the summer, like, we got to finish this thing, yeah, you know, preferably no both of us, but at least one of us, you yeah. know, like we can't just, we can't just make a movie about, <laughs> Oh yeah. This guy who's his whole, his whole life story is about persistence, but it got, but to, mile, it. got to mile 65 and his foot hurt. So he quit. I so. imagine those last 35 miles were really hard. Oh my God. The end of the movie. Uh, but I, and I don't know if this is different for other people with more experience, but they're all, I mean, like the last 30 is like you become this sort of infant, you know (laughs) where you don't want to eat you don't want to change your socks you don't want to do anything and you you can like you are not going on your own motivation anymore i'm I'm thinking i just want to finish because my my parents are here my girlfriend has supported me through this whole race she's put up with me being gone like for six hours every saturday for the whole summer you're like i can't let these people down like if i just quit like Plus, I've been out here already for like 26 hours. Like, <laughs> oh, come on. what if I waste that whole, you know? Do, do you think you could have done your first ultra marathon without Jason as your partner? Um, Probably. It uh, it definitely helps. I actually looked this up. I was yeah. actually trying to find out if you, um, if you have a more positive outlook on things with somebody with you or yeah. alone. And it's, there's a study done that, and it's, Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's about the incline of a of a hill. Uh, people, you know, they mm-hmm. ask you to estimate the how steep a hill was, and if you had your friend standing next to you, it looked less steep. Uh, yeah, that's... and you <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, there's there's some other interesting things in there, but essentially, yeah, it does make it better. Um, and two, it, yeah, there's somebody to be accountable to. Um, you know, at the for like the last twelve hours. 15 hours you're not talking to anybody you're just like want to just don't talk to me at all in the movie you can see your face when like <laughs> you're eating you're just like i hate this, this fucking like sandwich. 50 yard stare your eyes aren't really moving from left to right they're just like straight like, forward uh, to the tree you like drinking your chips well <laughs> I, what i want to know is what were your next like what was the next week like in your life after that race i had i had a blister 
<laughs> and that was it. I had one blister on my toe. And, really? Um, yeah. And I, um, and we, you know, we, we were, what did we finish? Like third from last maybe. Um, so we're slow. So we're not like kicking rocks, you know, like I've never lost a toenail. Yeah. And I've done at this point, I think I've done like three fifties, a 50 K now two hundreds and have not had major problems at all. Like I, yeah, I went actually, I, I went to, um, met my dad in, uh, Cleveland and then we went to Indians game and then oh Detroit God. and then Toronto. But, uh, yeah, I was walking around just waiting for skin to fall off my foot so I could run again. But so you yeah. weren't, you weren't like in your bed. You were no, I mean, the that night I was exhausted because you've yeah. been up for 40 hours or whatever. Yeah, but, that's crazy. Yeah, you don't feel great, but like, and I'm, I'm getting, I'm sort of learning more about how to react to that stuff and like yeah. trying to tell myself, well, you know, if you come home from running a marathon and you're like, that kicked my ass, I, I'm gonna put my feet up for the next two days and not do anything. Yeah you're kind of mentally not letting you know it's kind of it's kind of taken over is that okay that's yeah i, I think it's it one is. of our mics huh. boom yeah so yeah. I've, I've kind of like i'll come home and do a training run of 20 25 miles or whatever and be like okay now i'm gonna do some yard work or whatever just to make myself that's awesome mentally go yeah. oh, okay you can't let that be the biggest thing that happens to you like you have to be tougher and <laughs> you know yeah. walk walk more um just to stay on my feet more stand up desk etc cetera, etc cetera. so how was uh, that threshold like when you you're like i'm gonna start running mm. i'm gonna start ultra running like i think about i, I trail run a bit <laughs> five five miles good long trail run for me what's like the threshold when you're like holy shit i gotta go run 20 miles to train like is that scary like, uh, how, how do you get into it? How do you wrap your head around, like, do you have to make a goal and then you chase it? Or is it just yeah. like, okay. I mean, like, I don't know. I think it's like, like climbing. You would, if you, ba I would probably, you know, base yourself around a project. Like your goal for the summer is to climb X route, which is like 512 or whatever, whatever it is. Or if you're a 512 climber, 510C or some route you want to do. So you go to the gym to get strong for that. And then when the weather's nice, you go out and try to send, you know. And That's like two hours. That's like yeah. two hours of work. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And this is like, this works really well for the time in my life. But uh, yeah, if I don't have a big thing that I'm scared of, I probably won't do anything. I would just sit around and eat donuts and I <laughs> 230 pounds right now, you know, like, so that motivates you. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it is, I don't know. Is it scary? I, I like, I walk a lot. I don't. <laughs> You know, yeah. I go out and I do like a, if I do 26 miles, I'll try to make it right around 5,000 feet of elevation gain, something like that. You're not running that. Like, I mean, somebody is. Yeah. I'm not. Doing yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. So once you once I read in an ultra running book, you know, walking is your new best friend. I was like, I can do this. I, shit. Do I like this for yeah. it. And once you get into these hundreds, I mean, all but probably I would say the top 15 or 20 percent of the people are walking all the uphills. Because how are you going to run 100 miles if you're running all the uphills? You're an animal if you do that's, that. Yeah, that's crazy. So, does anybody do that? I'm sure somebody I mean, does. I'm the fucking I world's mean, elite, I'm did, sure. Yeah. I got to ask, um, during your run, did you experience any like crazy hallucinations? I feel like this is something that sometimes happens to people. This And this happened this the in during the first 100 I did and the second one. Oh my God. And I've, I've hallucinated from lack of sleep before yeah. a couple times. Yeah. Um, 
on a bicycle and then like also like driving which is not cool but uh, <laughs> yeah. a couple times driving and um they're just like very brief uh visual hallucinations yeah where i like try to create an aid station oh my god that... where i'm like oh i think i can see the corner of a blue tent <laughs> yeah. it must be getting close and you're like that's nothing you dumb shit keep walking <laughs> it, yeah multiple times so yeah and somebody explained it to me in a way i can't like it was communicated to me fairly clear, clearly about it's just your brain not it's not exactly a hallucination it's yeah. your brain not processing visual information at that point because if you're fast you can finish hard 100 in like 24 hours and i'm not fast so like the last one took me <laughs> 36 hours and 10 minutes and that's a long time my friend canyon finished in 23 hours 23 hours and you're like how did he finish 13 hours like and i was thinking of the terrain like what is that like this is like that's nuts yeah 13 hours and he didn't even win he was third (laughs) third place you know like he was an hour behind first place and like yeah you don't it's it's insane to think about how fast people move but you know i'm not in it to try to yeah compete with other people. quite frankly i mean the achievement itself is dude pretty solid <laughs> right yeah i mean are you climb? are you trying to climb like 511 c so you can be in some club or are you trying to climb 511 yeah, c because exactly. you personally want to do it you know yeah. like yeah hey. it's it's so i have the inspiration and no ambition to do that to do what to ultra run like it's like yeah. i'm inspired okay. by it without yeah. any ambition <laughs> after whatsoever. i watched after watching movies like Man, I want to run an ultra marathon, and I was like, "Wait, no, no, I, know, I, don't. I was too. I, was like, no, I had that I exact same do feeling. The only thing that the thing that works for me right now is it's the best way to get away from my phone. Like, yeah, I. But you take your phone with you. Uh yeah, but I shut it off. Uh, like it's on airplane do you, mode. So you run with no like podcasts. Yeah. Wow. Because then I think you'll just hate. Like if you listen to music, you'll just hate the music. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of want to be in my own shit too, and like you get deep in there. Like, well, if you. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna suffer, like yeah. get in there, like yeah. you know. And this is all self-inflicted, so like, let's. Plus, <laughs> I mean, I I literally will come up with ideas if it's I just go long enough. This is like, when do we have time to think anymore? You know, know. we're so all true. so bombarded mm-hmm. with data, and we all do it to ourselves. You know, like if I'm at home, I'm like, I don't know if you guys use the Screen Time app on your phone. And it's like it's a horrifying. Yeah. You're like, I spent three hours a day on my phone last week, and like how can I even call that work? You know, but yeah. you're always in it's like, but if I run, I don't look at it. Like that's my rule. You know, like I may get, I don't get text messages, anything. I'm like, I'm just going to do this and be here and like, yeah, I mean, meditate, that's... you know, uh, and it sucks, but, and it would be a great time to listen to podcasts because I don't, I feel like I'm behind on that stuff, but it, it's like the best. I just, it's, I think of it as running away from my phone and yeah, usually, you know, like today I ran 10 miles and I hate it until <laughs> exactly the five mile mark. And I think that's when I start getting endorphins and yeah. uh, adrenaline coming out and I'm like, Oh, this isn't so bad. And then like clockwork, like nine miles. I'm like, you know, it'd be a funny chart. Yeah, yeah. Rain. Yeah. Rain. Yeah. Like umbrellas. And <laughs> and I'm like in my head, I'm like, okay, just remember that till you get back. And it's like a fucking your, office. There's your idea. Yeah. Yeah. For a creative, for somebody who's trying to make their way in the creative world, it's like oh, your yeah. little private office. Right. Nobody's knocking on your door or calling. Right. You're scheduling a meeting with your, with your brain. Yeah. Up with stuff. So, wow. And, you know, like a lot of what a lot of different people do has 
do has to do with research or spreadsheets or other stuff. And I have to do all that stuff too and answer emails or whatever. But that's the thinking time, right? Like if you can give yourself that it's, and I only run probably nine hours a week total, you know, but it's important, you know, and I think mm-hmm. it, I think it's keeping me sane in the digital age. How often, how often do you post your, uh, like little, uh, comics? Uh, three times a week, three times a week. Holy well, crap. And now I'm, now I'm doing, I'm putting old ones up on Monday. So I only do only create two new ones a week. So one's the book coming out, man. Yeah. Congratulations uh, on that Kickstarter. It was yeah. a super success. I think they ship them to me in August. Nice. The, the printer. And then I have to ship them all out with, uh, so self-published. Yeah. yeah. It's a company, Do you know, Chris Kalman. Yeah. Writer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he did a novella. I don't know did if you, you read it. that? Yeah. Oh my God. I read it. It was really fucking good. I read early versions of it. Yeah. Or as before it was so below, I think it was. Yeah. Um, wow. He, that's something you should think about actually is the, the Banff writers workshop. Yeah. I take have a, take a piece there. it around. They usually, if you get in, I got in one year and I couldn't go because of legal um, immigration things because oh. of my criminal record. <laughs> yeah which I eventually got fixed, um, but it was too late for that year. But it's something you should should think about doing. That's what Chris came out of. He did that for that writer's workshop, workshopped it, and then decided to turn it. He tried to uh, pitch it to several publishers, and they kind of said, yeah, this, we don't do fiction, or you know, it doesn't work for us for X, Y, Z reasons. And he, he, was really, he was really adamant about that, going that route with me. I said, hey, what was your experience like? And he said, oh, it's great. You huh. sell all these books, you spend a week or two stuffing envelopes and shipping them to people, and then yeah. you're done. And then you don't have to. Mm. And he sells a few copies of that a week, you know, or whatever. And dude, I was yeah. really impressed by it, it's a beautiful how book. his voice. Like I followed him from the beginning of Fringe's mm-hmm. Folly. Yeah. Um, in the end, no, dude, his the hand. progression yeah. of his skill, just like took a light year jump to that book yeah i, I was shocked well i mean yeah. not shocked but it was, it was of, just wonderful and it, i think it's a lot of it was in probably i don't know if he would tell you the same thing but i think in the workshopping process he yeah, probably you bet, man he probably gained a lot but that's fucking boot camp you know what i mean that's something you could do with a collection of essays or something like that it yeah i'd love be to. really cool um yeah Wow, and you um, have to go be in Banff for I think it's like oh, three I don't weeks. Go there. Yeah, it's horrible. Really horrible. <laughs> that place, and you're there at the same time the film festival's going on too. So, oh sweet, I think for part of it, I want to talk about the new American road trip mixtape. Oh my, the first, the first book. I want to. Do you mind talking about that? <laughs> no, you're kind of squid. No, it's it's that's it's not, interesting. That's not where our conversation is going to stop about writing. Okay. But that was like, that was your first time kind of stepping into like, I'm going to self-publish. I'm going to write about climbing and like road tripping on nobody else's terms. How did that all come about? Like, what was the genesis of that project? Because yeah. I, I met you when that was going on kind of as well. Yeah, or before. I met you before it, but yeah. you wouldn't tell me about this project that you're working <laughs> oh, on. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my, uh, I was dealing with a breakup and decided to go live in my car, um, yeah, I was of interest. I was 32, so I felt like, just felt like things were happening, and I was like writing all this stuff down, thinking about how I'd always thought about road tripping as being like this, you know, this really formative thing, and all the on the road and road trip books in general, and um, 
yeah and i you know that that was a, i decided pitched that around to a few places and they all it's really funny i look back i pitched it to mountaineers books and kate uh, who's the editor there now who I've worked with on a couple different projects. I actually went back and looked at her final rejection email because I sent her a couple sample <laughs> yeah. chapters and she's just kind of like, I think there's things in here that don't resolve themselves and I don't think you should, I don't <laughs> think this is good for us. And I go, well, I can send you the whole manuscript. And she said, okay, sure. And she read the whole thing. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, it was like, she's direct, but it was direct to the point of where I was like, wow, Kate, shit, that's actually almost kind of me. That, almost hurt my, that hurts my feelings, you know? <laughs> And I mean, I think she actually said the word naive and like there was some, oh yeah, it was some, dude, that's brutal. It was harsh. And I was like, okay, fine. I get why I get that you, you know, it doesn't work for your audience. And she, I think she told me, you know, like our board is, you know, mostly, or a lot of like old Boeing executives, they don't want like sentimental stuff about people's lives and, you know. They want Freedom of the Hills and other books. And I, I don't know if that's changed in, in however many years it's been, nine years now. But she's like, that's why we can't publish it. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to self-publish it. And at the time, yeah. I was discovering about like create space and stuff where it's print on demand. You don't have to pay. You pay like a 100 bucks up front and you got a yeah. book. And I paid an old friend to do the graphic design. And I had somebody else edit it for a few hundred dollars, you know, like copy edit and I was like, I'm just going to self-publish this thing. And it ended up selling like in like a year and a half. It sold like 10,000 copies in that's fucking paperback. Great. Like that's paperback Kindle. And I somehow like it got into um, Urban Outfitters. Whoa. Oh, yeah. And, I remember that. Urban Outfitters. What? Urban <laughs> Outfitters does not. Um, I don't know if they sell books. They like, still do. They still yeah. They sell well, random. No, all I'm saying is I think they buy books. I don't know if people <laughs> actually walk out of there with copies of books. Cause it, like I found it in you know I went to I went to the Urban Outfitters. I was walking by in the uh, like Upper West Side in Manhattan, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go down here and see if they got my book, you know. And and I go down there, and they have like I go in the store and then there's a basement and you go into the back of the basement and there's this table with all these books on it, like Foster Huntington's van life book and all these yeah. beautiful books. And there's mine too. And there's, all, there are huge stacks of all these books and like, <laughs> you're like all but dusting them off, you know, anyway. So they, they bought a bunch of books and I had to like become a vendor, you know, and like do all jump through all these hoops and they bought 1500 books. I don't know if anybody ever bought one from them, but they bought 1500. So that's out there. And, um, it's, it's funny. I think about that book. Like it was cool to self publish it and get it out there. And I made some money and, you know, I spent a lot of money trying to market it and whatever. And then I took that, I went back to Mountaineers and said, Hey, I don't know. I got this other manuscript about climbing and addiction. And if you guys are interested, you could take a look. By the way, the last book that you didn't want, I ended up selling 10,000 copies of it. I don't know if that means anything. Yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. good or not. And um, so they ended up taking on. 60 meters to anywhere which is sold maybe 10,000 copies by now but wow not yeah so it was like it was like this uh you know here's my platform and I can sell books on my own if I want to but if you guys want to um and I understand why they rejected it now and they probably rejected it for the reasons that I look back on it and go how do you ah. think about it when you look back on it it's funny I listened to this interview with Dave Eggers like like he probably did it in 2008 and somebody brought up a heartbreaking work of staggering genius, which I loved. And he goes, Oh, I hate that book. And uh, I was like, wow, man, that was, that was like one of my favorite books that yeah. I've ever read when I was, it was like 2000. I, I really showed me that you could be vulnerable in writing and neurotic. And, and I thought, <sighs> Oh, that's great. Unbelievable. You know? book. Yeah. I loved it. And, uh, he hates it. And, um, 
I kind of don't love that book that I put out. And yeah, but you start to realize in, I people have brought that to book signings for other books and said, this is my favorite book. And yeah. I kind of have this reaction where I go, Oh, this old thing. Uh, you know, and, like, <laughs> and oh, I realize no. I, I am, I realized the last time I did that, I was like, you can't do this to people because it's not yours anymore. No. And they are also experiencing it. Uh, you know, so. that's meaning something to them just because you're not in that place mm-hmm. anymore as the narrator who may be naive and a little sentimental and like is kind of, you know, cries too much, you know, like in the book, <laughs> yeah. like in your opinion at this point, like, oh, I'm so past that. Like people are meeting your art at whatever trajectory they are and they come across it and they say, this is perfect for me right now. And um, so I can't do that. I don't say that anymore. And I get an email every few weeks or an Instagram message and it's, it's does well for emotionally available dudes who are <laughs> like in the middle of a breakup and other people who are interested in road trips and, and stuff like that. And that sort of culture. And, you know, it doesn't sell that many copies, but if it gets people, if it gives them what they need, that's awesome. Um, I don't, go out there and be like, Hey, you should read this book. You know, I'm not oh, handing right. it to the person next to me on the airplane being like, Hey, this is the best thing I've ever change done. Your life. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. And I, I listened to this interview with Mac Miller. Um, God, it, it was done a couple of years ago. Was, this uh, is the, the rapper that yeah, passed yeah, away. Passed yeah. Away. yeah. And you know, there's whatever your relationship is to Mac Miller. I realized that he was, you know, turned into a great musician. Um, and I respected a lot of his work. A lot of it is very frat boyish stuff, but he said, you know, like you, people expect you, you know, your next album, you can't make, you can't replicate that album, that experience that somebody had with your previous album or the song you made mm. 10 years ago. Cause they, what they want is a feeling back. And you think about your favorite bands and like, you know, your relationship to Pearl Jam's last album versus, <laughs> versus your relationship to Vitalogy or oh, 10. My favorite album of all versus, time, Vitalogy. Right? Okay. <laughs> but did they ever recreate that for you? Because no, no, it's because you changed and they changed. And Fuck there's yeah. this weird sort of thing. Like you can't, you can't expect a, that out of people. That's and a good point. Yeah. So you kind of got to live with that. And I don't know. I, I think about it sometimes. Like what was the hurry to get a book out? You know, like what was the deal with that? And, yeah, it's fine. I was yeah. gonna ask you about that too. If you've ever considered like, did Not, I do that too quick? I... Yeah. Oh, for sure. That one for sure. And also, I think a lot of the stuff is probably illegal. Like there was Whoa. like, there's like, <laughs> you. I didn't realize at the time, but you have to like get people's permission to quote their books. And oh. you know, if someone were to pick that book up and be like, "Oh, you quoted Travels with Charlie," and you didn't ask, you know, oh, Penguin Steinbeck, or yeah, right. yeah, and like. So, and I don't think anybody cares because it's such a, it's not, if that book sold a million copies, people would be in shit. Yeah, someone would come for you. Because if you quote song lyrics, you actually have to go to, what? You have to get, you have to pay for song lyrics because I was, I had lyrics from Piano Man in uh, 60 Meters to Anywhere because it was about like, I don't like that song because they played it in every bar I was ever in. Yeah. Just, it like, in, Dave like, was the like when it's I left. karaoke song. Is it really? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brendan. Are you good at it? He's good. Dave's Pretty really good, actually. It just made me sad about, like, I could have ended up there. I could have been in that song for the rest of my life. Yeah. Had I not, like, Davy in the Navy. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, and I was, I, I had it in the manuscript, and Mountaineers said, yeah, you have to, like, actually contact whoever it was, you know, Columbia Music, and ask him if you can Jeez. use those lyrics, and it'll probably be a few hundred dollars oh and that's on you we don't pay for that stuff and i thought 
oh the hell with it like everybody knows the lyrics to that song i'll just mention it you know yeah, we'll yeah. delete it. or just delete the paragraph because it's not that important yeah but yeah when you see a book and you're like oh there's song lyrics in there Ooh. they spend a that's so change on that well that's and crazy. you might get them for free i don't know if you ask nicely or know somebody but i didn't know anybody i don't know billy joel <laughs> <laughs> so hey yo billy yeah you don't know billy what the heck i was thinking so yeah so that sort of thing it's fun though breaking into the book market seems so hard to me like well it depends what like you getting someone to read a book is i don't know it depends just... on your definition of breaking into it too like <laughs> do you want to sell 100 copies yeah you could probably do it you know like that's a good but, point hey, it's your definition of success it's we not were... as easy as breaking into the twitter market <laughs> dude my hundred followers love <laughs> what I have to say. I feel like you'd be great at Twitter. You know, like coming up with those little, like one page comic strips are essentially like little, little Twitter quips. That would, Twitter, that, would, that would take less time, I suppose, to just tweet instead of, I, it bums me out the more time I spend on it. Like, even if you try to, like, I muted the word Trump like a month ago just because it was, takes over your feed because everybody's talking about it. And it's just yeah. like this, I don't know, I can't. I wish I was good at it. There are people who are really good at it. Yeah, who are writers who use it in a, in a way that sells books and gets them fans and stuff. And I just can't like the the conversations on there. It's just so full of snark and negativity. And yeah, you know, the world definitely needs to change, but I just don't leave with anything. I'm like, God, it's this a rough sucks. place, dude. Yeah. And it's been my news aggregation site. Because I think Twitter is like a fucking masterful tool. I don't understand mm. people who, because you can build your own community on yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yes. From stone one to stone whatever. So in like 2014, when I joined, it was my new newspaper New York Times, Washington Post, Des Moines Register, Seattle Chronicle, or um, Times, San Francisco Chronicle, all that stuff. And just, that's my fucking microphone. Boom. This is a high-class high operation. We can't go in here. Anyway, just like two months ago, I got rid of it all. Now it's only, because same thing, I can't fucking deal with it. Like, I'm invested in politics, but I cannot allow it to knock on my door at two in the afternoon. I can't get sideswiped by it. So now it's baseball, climbing, and like comics comedy writers yeah That's well it. i think about it like when you, like i think about this myself too like how much what are you doing with the all this political information you're stockpiling all the time that's like, it what do i do oh i voted can't do shit like i could probably do that same thing with with <laughs> a couple hours of research that's in exactly right october you know or like you know it's as opposed to just following every single story that and it's why is it so irresistible? We're like, oh, I need to know this. Yeah, I need to know the latest like five minute scandal. It, it's gonna be over. It's like because we have a fucking a uh, sugar coated villain. Yeah, just and we don't have to talk about this anymore. But it hits a sweet tooth, and you become addicted to it. You right. become addicted to the chocolate chip cookie. Who's <laughs> it? Just quenches your thirst and, and makes you righteously indignant. 
And I, I had to leave it all behind. So what do we do with all this righteous indignation? <laughs> you know, like, what, am I making the world a better place because I know that stuff? I'm like, no. Or because you're pissed? I'm going to go talk to a bunch of people who agree with me. Yeah, that's the thing. That's like, <laughs> you know, like, let's scream into the oh, echo chamber. Yeah, we changed the world, didn't we? And like, why don't you just like delete Twitter and go donate some money or like no volunteer? Shit. I don't know. Like, I'm talking to myself too, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, why do I read this? Like, don't click on it. Don't click on it. You're, do- you're doing it. You did it. Shit. Oh my God. There yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and then you get your sugar rush. It's hard to find positive stuff on there and like on Twitter. Yeah, a yeah. few a couple of years ago on Instagram, I was just kind of kind of bored with it and realized that there were um, New Yorker cartoonists, and somehow I fell into this like. I'm just unfollowing people and I'm going to follow all these cartoonists yeah. and golden retrievers. It's, and like, <laughs> so now my feed is like, just, it's just laughter Dude, all the time. I'm yeah. Like, oh, that's really clever. That's good. You know? And, and then I started drawing my own stuff cause I thought, Oh, I can't draw, but maybe I'll do. What was the know, impetus so. behind that? I was drawing charts on napkins and like, um, I I'd remember done, them on semi rad. I'd done, time. I'd done a couple flow charts that did well on semi rad. And I thought, Oh, if I want everyone to make like prints of these or something like that, I should just buy an iPad. So I mm-hmm. did and thought, well, that's 1200 bucks. Maybe this will pay itself off somehow. And it, you know, within like six or eight months of doing three charts every week, I got a couple clients who said, Hey, will you do something for us? Um, that's awesome. So I would say the free stuff is by far outweighed what I actually have gotten paid for. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, cause they're feeding this thing. Like what am I really, this is really a good investment of my time. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a question I kind of have for you is like, you seem to have your hands in all these different arts. Like you, you write a lot, you've produced like awesome films and you also now are dabbling in creating mm-hmm. these like charts that are like, you've got a Kickstarter funded for a book of them, which is super cool. Like what's, do you see yourself pursuing anything? Like, is there something else that you're starting to look into? Like, uh, <laughs> or is it just sort of as it comes to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I want to make more t-shirts, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I you're wearing have. one. Oh yeah. You made that I, one? I had this vest on. That's I'm like, this is going to be awkward if I take this vest off. And then I was hot when I got up here. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I want to make some of those and like kind of turn, you know, as another way of pe- bringing joy into people's lives, hopefully, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I like that shirt. That's fun. Uh, and also like, you know, it's hard to sell blog ads, you know, but if you can sell t-shirts like, you know, if people want to buy a t-shirt, they'll buy a t-shirt. So like, yeah. I'm not going to cram it down anybody's throat, but uh, do you guys follow, uh, or are you aware of Ray Gun? Yeah. Yeah. Shirts? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. So I'm looking at the Ray Gun shirts and I'm like, wow, these are just text and they're brilliant. You know, yeah, like they're, they're all so great, you know? Yeah, very poignant. And uh, I mean, they are full on, like they have their, they produce all their own stuff. And I would work with places that are like print on demand. I'm going to do. So I just want to put a little more energy into that and do that and see where it goes. And I have other book ideas. And uh, yeah, I don't know. You just kind of like, got to keep pushing balls forward but it's yeah it's become a lot of work just to keep the things i'm currently doing current like my blog yeah. and um yeah it's enough work and i'm making enough money where i'm like you know what why am i trying why should i like stay up at night and like kill myself doing this what am i gonna like buy a nicer car or something like why can't i just be like oh this is cool well semi red's gonna be able to it's gonna get his driver's license like in a couple of years you know it's been going for a while dude it's when eight eight and eight years in february holy yeah. shit i know and you're you kinda... 420 blog posts jesus in denver well, i, I said that 420 I stood, yeah, yeah. 
I started doing uh, ones on Friday three years ago, which is just collections of links that I find on the internet that I think are interesting, you know, and that's, that actually has kept my traffic, um, stable, you know? Yeah. So it hasn't dropped. Um, but yeah, that's, that's fun, but it's also another thing I got to do. Another another email I got to send out and it's cool. I think a lot of people read my blog just for that at this point. And at some point it may just turn into that where I just go, Hey, here's what I'm reading. Yeah. It's um, so, but it's still sustainable. Yeah, no, it totally is because, because of outdoor research outside magazine and then the folks who support me on Patreon, like that's huge. You know, Yeah. if you didn't, if you didn't have that, I mean, that's like not, that's not people emailing you every week saying, don't stop doing what you're doing. It's people going, yeah, I'll give you three bucks a month Yeah, to keep like, this alive, to keep the beating alive. heart. Yeah. So you think I'm not letting these people down, you know, if, if that's what they're, you know, that's your thing. You're like, okay, they, these people are reading this and they care enough to actually get out their wallet. I will keep doing, I will keep trying hard, you know, Fuck and trying yeah, to come man. up with stuff that, you know, makes their life, you know, 1% better for an hour or whatever, whatever it is, whatever they get out of it. You're not going to let down your mom during the hundred miler, dude. <laughs> Same thing. I can't do it. It is. You're just a boat at that point. You're just like, <laughs> you're, not even, you're not even rowing anymore. You're like, your parents are rowing. <laughs> just, I'm just pulling myself along. You're the vessel. Yeah. Um, I have like, this is going on for a while. I have a million questions. Okay. This is okay. Way, yeah. I would just go home and work. So, okay. It's <laughs> just procrastinate. I, I, get, I literally have like 35 questions. We're you're not say, but you're so long. good at this, man. Like this is your thing. Um, <laughs> do you have this much fun with everybody or is it like, have you had some struggle? Like we do all? not No, We will yeah. never have a dickhead on this show. Well, I mean, is the, is the I didn't mean that. <laughs> no, I mean, we're not even going to have, that's a great policy, but like, <laughs> that is our, that's no policy. do you guys ever, I remember, I won't say the person's name, but I remember you having tell me about a guest on climb talk radio who was like, I'll come on the show. And then, that person got there and was like, I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about this. And you go, well, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) Well, I will mention that guest. That's okay. You don't have to, Um, if you want to, whatever. Well, no. Okay. Maybe I won't mention it. She's a delightful person. I've met her many times. Yeah. But we, in interview prep, I'll tell you after the show, in interview prep, we were like, you know, oh my God, you're, you're having such a great, you're doing some really cool stuff. She was uh, climbing really hard at that time. And I was like, you know, what do you want to talk about? And she was like, well, I don't want to talk about myself and I don't want to talk about what I climb. <laughs> and I was like, what are we going to talk about resonance? <laughs> you fucking realize <laughs> you're, you're a, climber. On a, a live climbing talk show. And this is like 10 minutes before we go to air. And it was just awful. Cause I had to ask those questions. I had all my questions. Yeah, and she was like, I don't really want to talk about that. Oh, she, she I don't really want to that talk. into like on yeah. the air. Yeah. And not in a snarky way either. She wasn't like, I don't want to talk about that. Was it Sasha DeJulian? It was not Sasha DeJulian. Um, she would just say, I'm just not, I'm not comfortable talking about that. Wow. And that was the first time I ever interviewed like a 20 year old Nina Williams. No, that was the show I was on. The show. I, we interviewed her like five times. Oh, okay. But she saved that show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh my God! You just brought back a, a desperately uh, like I'm anxious right now. Oh, sorry. Dude. <laughs> yeah, we've so been sorry. we've been really lucky. All our guests are, have been super fun. I think it I think it helps that like We're the, the vibe smart. the vibe here is like 
This is not very serious. Yeah, it's like my living room is fucking <laughs> dirty, and it's like it's uh, it's not scary at all. I would love like, what do you do? You think podcasts are recorded in studios? Like, do you think there's like somebody out there who's got like a real? I mean, I guess Joe, Joe Rogan. I guess Joe Rogan does. He's but, uh, I anyway. I've, like, I've seen like Chris Hampton. He just like has the mics, and they like yeah. He's just like, they're just like us. Yeah. It's it's all fucking. Who knows what happens behind the curtain. But now yeah. you know this. This God for you pull, pull your mic up. Pull your mic up real quick. God damn it. Oh, I just want to know for sure if it's your mic. I think it is. It, I, think I don't know. Is. We're going to edit all that shit out. It's a, um, it's a problem. It's fucking got to get a new mic. So I wanted to ask you another question. You know Peter Heller. I think I heard you talk about I him. don't know him. Not I did, known personally. I did have him, him sign a book at a book signing. Oh, you did? Yeah, he was a tattoo cover. At the, uh, for the river? Yep. I fucking couldn't go to that that night it was it was pretty great yeah he said some really cool things about writing oh my god i um, wish i would have gone yeah i'm sure he'll do other events he lives in denver i think he so. lives like sloan's lakers i so i saw him in uh the highlands i've been a huge fan for well over a decade what was your first what was your first peter heller book you read kook oh yeah, okay. So you've read is not I've only read uh The Dog Stars. Dog Stars The Painter. Yeah. And The River Sit at Home. I you didn't read Celine? No. Oh, it's so good. It's good. I love the Dog Stars. It's it would not... be tough for him to top that. So The Dog Stars, I tell people, is probably the best fiction book I've read in the last seven years. I think it's number one for me still. It mm, yeah. screwed something up in my brain that I can't stop thinking about Sig. I can't stop thinking about his Australian cattle dog. I, it's amazing. All, it's just fucking. Is that why you got Hank? I had Hank long before that. <laughs> um, anyway, I was driving around one day in the Highlands. Uh, this is like seven or eight years ago. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. That's Peter Heller. Because he's a distinctive looking guy. You know, yeah. He still looks like a linebacker. Um, yeah. Anyway. So Peter Heller had a trajectory of like he was a magazine writer. Mm-hmm. And then he was a non- narrative nonfiction, like creative writing writer mm-hmm. um and then he's like fuck i've always wanted to write fiction is that an aspiration that you have or like a path that you would be interested in going down i've definitely thought about it I, another fact there that I, I don't know if you knew this but he did go to the iowa writers workshop for poetry and fiction i did know that he which, was wanted to be a poet yes, to begin with and apparently he's super obsessed with uh, like chinese poetry whoa yeah that's esoteric uh, but I, don't, I mean i don't have i don't have that training i don't even know how to start writing fiction um it's funny my wife has uh a nonfiction manuscript that she she got an agent in New York who was pitching it around, and uh, I probably shouldn't even be saying this. Oh, that's podcast. great! But the agent was like, "Yeah, it was it was tough. We weren't, you know, nobody bit." But a couple of people asked if you'd consider turning it into fiction. And so we've been having this series of discussions like, oh, how is that going to work? Are you interested in that? And it seems like an incredible opportunity, actually. Um, and I think she's pretty interested in doing it, but she, we were going through the line at tattered cover and she asked Peter Heller, like, do you ever think about writing nonfiction anymore? And he goes, Oh, once you start making them up, you never go back. <laughs> oh, wow. I thought, yeah. Cause I did have this idea and I actually, I just don't, you know, it's how much energy are you going to put into something with no, no way of knowing where it'll go. And you know, if I took it to anybody I worked with, if I wrote a piece of fiction, they'd be like, mm. I don't know. I don't know if we can sell this. You know? Yeah. And Chris Kalman did a good job of it. Of course. That just came out of 
fucking left field too. His book? Yeah. yeah to like to I you saw, it did, maybe, I, right? Well, to to people right. who hadn't read any Yeah. He had a little bit of nonfiction or fiction on um Oh, did he? Okay. Uh, yeah, Fringe's yeah, Folly. Yeah. He yeah. was c- kind of dabbling with it a yeah. bit, but I mean, I don't even know how to write fictional short stories and like Yeah, but this sounds weird because that... A lack of knowledge has not stopped you from doing anything else, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this, that sounds like that sounds like bullshit a little bit. And like, it's the 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 concept of doing it is really freeing because you get to make things up. But it's also the wide openness of it makes it like yeah. the possibility of doing something really bad. I think really is that's terrifying. Um, it's scary when you're good at this thing. And there's this other thing that's kind of related to it. Like how you have no idea if you're going to be good at all. And it's kind of your thing. See, it's pretty, it's pretty intimidating. Yeah. And how do you like, I guess most of what I think I've done to feel like the level, whatever success I've had is to start small and build on that. And just like be doing small things until they get, you know, it becomes something, you know, where you're like, Oh, you have this blog, you have 50 entries on it or you've, you know, you slowly grow and like the first people saw the few of the illustrations I did and I only had a few thousand followers and now later it's like grown to whatever it is now, like to a couple fifty, sixty thousand people. And so it's you're learning, you're getting better, you're getting an audience. Um and yeah. how do you do that with how would you do that with fiction besides to like start writing short stories and getting paid 40 bucks a piece to get them published in literary journals. Yeah. You know, you know what the hike is essentially. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I don't know how to do that in a small way. And you know, there's another book that, um, did you guys work in restaurants at all? I've worked in one. Yeah. There's this book called last night at the lobster by Stuart Onan. I think is the guy's name. I don't even know how I picked it up, but it's like (laughs) 150 page book about the last, the final night, at a red lobster restaurant in Connecticut. And it's like what? in the middle of winter. <laughs> and it, I couldn't believe how well this guy nailed what it was like to work at a corporate restaurant. Like, cause I worked in an Applebee's yeah. for a couple of years in college. <laughs> and it, I mean, I gave it to my buddies who worked at Applebee's with me. I'm like, you guys got to read this. It's incredible. And it's, it's easy to follow, but it, it was, it just woke up this thing in me. I'm like, I should write a book that's set in a sports bar. Cause I worked in a sports bar too. And I like have this really conflicting attitude about sports in America and <laughs> whether we should like waste our time following them. But they're also so great cause they bring people together. And oh there's, yeah. There's all this yeah. interesting shit that you could, you know, so I've started, sort of started to map something out in my head, but I'm, the more I think about it, I'm like, God, that could just be a flaming piece of shit, you know? And fucking only like, one way to find out, I man. Know. Yeah. Well, you don't have to share it with anybody. Yeah. Give it a <laughs> shot, you know, yeah. the unpublished books. While Dave's away, I I wanted to. I saw on your. uh, It was either semi rad or somewhere. I saw a photo of you with uh, Dan Draplin. Aaron Draplin. Aaron Draplin. Oh, yeah. And I just want to say, like, in back in college, I went to one of his talks just randomly. No shit. And it, to this day, is like one of the most inspiring, like, seared into my University of Iowa. Yeah. Okay. And like he came and he just like gave a small lecture to like, which, you know, like, I don't know, but it like, he, he just like totally blew my mind with his like passion, his like art, his like course through his creative process. Yeah. Like and that guy hustles, man. That guy hustles hard. Yeah. I emailed him probably a year before that event and just said, 
hey, I know you probably get emails all the time. Yeah. People saying your stuff is great, but I think this might be unique. Oh, I, we have a mutual friend too. Friend oh, cool. Sinway, who's a commercial director in LA, um, who's in his Draplin's book. There's just like a photo yeah. of Sinway in the Sweet. Grand Canyon. Like, uh, and, uh, so I think I said, you know, I think I put Sinway's name in the subject line, but I said, Hey, just so you know, like I, I like your stuff, but I watch a couple minutes of your talks before Dude, I talks go, are so good. before I do public speaking gigs yeah. because he's so real, right? Yeah. He doesn't like, he's not like the Britney Spears headset and the, no, he's just, I'm going to teach you to climb your own Everest. So I would watch Draplin. I would like sit backstage when I was nervous and watched like three minutes of Draplin talking yeah. and he just gets up there and Dude. he's like, I'm Aaron James Draplin from Michigan, blah, blah, he's, blah. And he's he has insane. crazy stories. Oh yeah. Like he told the story of how he was contacted by like this farm to design stuff for it. And then it later came out that the farm was owned by John Hughes or um, mm -hmm. I think John Hughes. Yeah. And like essentially John Hughes was like, Hey man, like after you found out who I was, who I, who I am, like you didn't raise your prices and like, I don't know. He just like had this like really interesting relationship with John Hughes in the last years of his life. And huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's, do you buy any of his stuff? What was that? Do you buy any of his stuff? I buy, doesn't he, he does field notes, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I buy field notes. I have the field notes. You guys, this is perfect. I have the field notes. Yes. County Fair, Iowa edition in my pocket right oh, now. It's just a three pack. Uh, but yeah. yeah, they just did a map of the U.S. for road trips. It's pretty fantastic. That dude, and that dude is is awesome. So. I just bought his pizza hat. He's, he's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's awesome. And we met. I just happened to be doing this event for Popular Mechanics where I was signing books, and uh, yeah. the lady I work with there, Jana, goes, "Oh yeah, Aaron Draplin's gonna be there." You're like, oh. I know you like him, and I go, "Oh my god, I gotta meet this guy." Yeah, that's awesome. She she like somebody brought him down after he was done teaching his clinic or clinic or whatever and he goes hey <laughs> i don't know what you do <laughs> my lady knows what you do you do like outdoor stuff anyway <laughs> you know and we sat down and talked for 45 yeah. minutes and he was just he's exactly like you would expect yeah man. he's just such that's a, so cool such a great down-to-earth guy and he's the owner of field notes is who you're talking about? uh co the co, co owner, owner but he okay. does his company is called draplin design but company he's essentially like uh He's also like a ridiculously awesome public speaker, self-made, yeah, just designer. Um, he does. I, I just there's lines of his talks that stick in my head. He's like, <laughs> did a logo for my buddy, got paid a burrito, did a little logo for these guys, Nike. They do the shoes up there yeah. in the Northwest. If <laughs> you heard of them, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, <laughs> there's some great uh, Vans videos with him. Yeah, um, there's some other ones where he just like they take him around to estate sales. Because he just gets freaked out about old stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. He likes collecting like things for inspiration. That's where these came from, yeah. right? They're like these pocket book, pocket notebooks that you used to get for free when you bought um, a bunch of seed from like Pioneer and stuff and farmers oh, just to keep them. So hence yeah. field notes, right? And yeah, they like I'm on their email list and it's like every couple months I get the email and I'm like, God, I'll just buy like <laughs> 20 bucks worth of field notes again. And I use them every day. Oh, yeah. If there's two orange ones in that bag right in there like the ruler in the back oh, you know yeah. like that's, you like the yeah. farmer's almanac stuff that's yeah. awesome that so. you gave me that baseball book they publish you know they publish their books the little tiny field notes books uh-uh you've not seen those i don't think i have oh they're fucking great you can buy them at meningers <laughs> oh really yeah the, on okay. the front shelf is like just a random book one of the best baseball books i ever read was a field notes book it's like 75 pages long it's about baseball 
it's about like Roberto Clemente and this guy oh, and his father okay. and they yeah. they wanted the father used to work for him. it's great and I was like yeah. fucking field notes novel or novella yeah yeah they do a bunch of them oh damn those are great should pitch them see like Penguin or somebody started doing those like these little uh, collections of essays or like things that were printed sixty years ago and like I just bought a George Orwell one when I was in New Zealand and. Cool little things, but they've started to do these little small books. And I love them, dude. They're like the Dover classics, the little tiny ones. I know. I read that. I'm like, put that <laughs> shit on Goodreads, man. Here's that book and <laughs> yeah. like, click, done. Five stars. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm so accomplished. <laughs> I just read a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 20 yeah. a year. Um, I got another question for you about writing. Mm-hmm. You like to write about writing. Mm-hmm. And you... um have definitely helped me out in dark hours of my writing where I'm just like, this is fucking bonkers. It's not worth it anymore. I'm banging my head against the wall. Things like that outside article that you wrote, or was it adventure journal? I don't remember the really, it was eight tips to, it was about your history Mm -hmm. of kind of making it slowly and then make it till you make it, Mm -hmm. which I read in that. I'm not gonna tell you where I read it. I was in a bathtub. I was oh, literally yeah. taking a bath and read the thing. I thought it'd be perfect for people like on the toilet. Taking like, a shit. You read, you're like, oh, I just read two of these. and then yeah. yeah. What inspires you? It's almost like, dude, you have a public service announcement wing of your writing to like help guide or to illuminate or to like destroy some of the romanticism of writing. What inspires you to do that? I don't know if anybody did it for me in a way that, you know, right. like, cause does anybody tell you how much it sucks? Like, no, no you right. go into it with all these romantic notions and then you're just like, this is fucking way harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like I suck. You know what you mean? You say that to yourself all the time. Well, which you do, you do when you get started and you suck later too. And like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you hit a home run, sometimes you bunt, you know, like that's basically <laughs> That's what my blog is. Yeah, has you bunt having, and the catcher tags you out on the way to yeah. first. Like it's a really bad bunt. Having a week <laughs> having a weekly deadline. Like I've put stuff out there where I've been like, wow, that went nowhere. Like no one read that. Yeah. No one liked it. And but then you still get like maybe an email, you know, two years later and somebody says, Ah oh, man, I always think of this one thing you wrote one time and you're like, Nobody fucking read that. But this guy but this, Charles Charles yeah. in West Virginia <laughs> remembered it, you know, and like yeah, I don't know. Do you read Seth Godin's blog at all? You ever see his stuff? Mm-mm. So he's like, God, he's been in media publishing for I don't know how many years. He has a great podcast called Akimbo. Um, and I love that word. The guy is, yeah, I mean, he has a great podcast on writer's block. Uh, it's only, these episodes are like 20 minutes, you know, and he talks about how it was invented by, uh, it's Mary Shelley's husband, who was also a writer, Whoa, yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. And he invented it, and he's like, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. He, he's, the line is like, you think plumbers get plumbers block? <laughs> they come over to your house and you're like, hey, I'm not feeling it today. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm not even turning on my torch. Fuck this, man. I can't. But I, I just think like people I would meet. The reason I made that make it till you make it book is because I used to get questions from people where they would say, hey, I'd love to call you and pick your brain or take you out for coffee. And I did it to a point. But then I was just kind of like, this is not this isn't scale for me. I can't really I can't really give this much time to people all the time. Um, so now i just you know if they're like i want to know how to get started as a writer i'm just like well here's this book it's like three bucks on kindle i make no money off of it yeah but that's how much it would cost you to buy me a cup of coffee just buy that that's everything i would tell you rather than just like reading from the notes but i think most people are just asking you know like 
a they want a they're not going to put the work in and they just want shortcuts um which is there maybe there are i don't i never have witnessed in my personal experience i've not gotten a shortcut ever um from anyone no one has given me the trick you know like whatever the (laughs) trick is (laughs) all right kid listen yeah it doesn't mean you don't stop looking for one no it it does not exist i mean i know i'm sure you get way different opportunities if you go to the ivy league or you graduate from the iowa writers workshop but those are not shortcuts i mean those take four years anyway yeah so i made the made that book just to tell people like hey you know like this is yeah there is some bullshit like it sucks and the grind is actually part of what makes it rewarding you know um so yeah and i have i was just running earlier today going you know i have like a lot more thoughts than what's in that book and i maybe should just start putting them out on like a little blog that's not like I don't care if it gets traffic, but here's a resource for mm-hmm. people. And cause I have a lot of thoughts about that. And I never get sick of hearing about people's battles for Me creativity. Too, you know, like, why do we, why do we care? And I just listened to the, uh, the Spotify podcast about the clash hosted by Chuck D, which oh, is fantastic. Nice. <laughs> and I was out, I was out laying flagstone on this patio in the rain the other day going that. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it sucks. Yeah, I've done it. The fucking worst. <laughs> Just like hating life. Going, God damn it. This is dumb. I, I realized why pavement was invented. You know, yeah, I, I ripped the weed barrier. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. And I like something in there was like uh, Joe Strummer was talking about some album they were going to make. And he was like, yeah, they wanted, you know, London Calling too. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to. And something just clicked in my head like, yeah, you don't have to do the same yeah you know take something away from it you know like yeah that's perfect so i think there's you know there's shit loads of books about creativity and how to write and like i've read great books about writing and sometimes you can hear the same thing you know multiple times from people and then somebody turns it like three degrees and you and you read it you're like yeah that makes sense you know like okay and then you can move on and do your stuff but i don't know i don't know if any of this stuff helps people um well let me give you a softball okay just <laughs> fucking knock it straight a lot of baseball analogies yeah this is great yeah uh this is gonna be an 82 mile per hour ephus at the we belt we should have done this interview at coors field <laughs> I know, right? during I a rockies game that would have been great <sighs> um so let's say somebody's been reading tim cahill like old tim cahill which is a guy who i i just brought him up talking to a guy yesterday not many people know him but he's like jaguars ripped my flesh yeah founding editor of outside right yeah 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 what what would you suggest how would you suggest and somebody comes up to you and they say i want to write this stuff i want to write adventure or climbing related literature Mm. narrative nonfiction. how do i get started what do i need to do (laughs) i would I always say, well, just write. Like, what are you doing? Like, what's, <laughs> I mean, for real, like, yeah. you have very few obstacles to publication nowadays. I mean, people get in book deals writing Instagram captions, you know? That mm-hmm. happens because they can write. And, like, you're in an environment where you can try things out and fail to a very small audience. And, like, it, it's funny. Like, if you put something out on the internet, no one's going to read it, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't have, you're not, like, publishing this to, like, tens of thousands of people (laughs) you know it's like you don't get that audience until you've been at it a while or people have heard of your stuff or they subscribe to your blog or whatever it is and um i just think i think any advice i would give people on how to get published is probably going to be outdated you know in a year or whatever like i don't know how (laughs) at once every podcast yuki has to fucking howl at a siren Uh, pardon Um. pardon (laughs) 
Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think most people are just asking you what, how do I, how do I develop grit? Yeah. Like, cause I think that's what people don't have. They, I was doing, I was working a nine to five job and I was climbing on the weekends, but I was also staying up till 11 PM going, how do I get published? Like, where can I get published? Where can I get my stuff out there? Where can I learn how to write about the outdoors? And I got fucking rejected. Like, I don't even know a hundred times by like one book I had got rejected 50 times. You know, was that the 60 meters to anywhere? 60 meters got rejected that many yeah, times. Yeah, but you know, the final, yeah. And I got $4,000 for an advance for that book. Like, do you think, what do you think I got? Do you buy a new house? Per, <laughs> like per hour, you know, like you should be, go make sandwiches at Subway. You know, if you want to yeah. make money, you shouldn't write, like you shouldn't write a book for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people <laughs> by and large will not find the rewards they want in it if they try it. Um, if they're doing it for a reason, like I'm actually teaching a writer's workshop on, uh, the salmon river on a raft trip at the end of June. Oh, and amazing. One of the, my first question that I want to talk to people about why they're taking the course, like what do they want to get out of it? But more importantly, what do you want to get out of your writing? You know? And because I couldn't say. I would say financially I've done better than I thought was possible because I'm hungry and I try to make things that make money a lot of times and like try to figure out ways to make money. But the emotional paychecks have been far outweighing the financial ones, you know, letters I get from people like emails and you like you change somebody's life a little bit, like a tiny little bit. You know, I got this guy, I wrote this blog called I pledge allegiance to the grind and it's just about, it's about my friend Tony, who's a chiropractor in uh, Chicago and sort of an entrepreneur. And he and I bicycled across the U.S. together. He's a seven-foot-tall guy I went to high school with, Jesus. washed dishes in the, at the Pinnacle restaurant in New Hampton, Iowa. He's a fantastic guy. He's one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. And I would not have said that about him when we were juniors in high school when he was like, fuck basketball. I'm going to quit so I can drink and smoke weed. Uh, <laughs> but he was this fantastic guy. And he, he goes, and we, he and I were talking about success. And he goes, you know, I have a hard time bringing younger chiropractors into my business because they, they work for me for a year and they say, Oh, I want what you have. I want to be your level of success. So I'm going to go out on my own and do this. And he kind of says, look, man, don't, don't look at where I am and think you're going to be there immediately. Like that's, you did not see me opening this practice and going around and knocking on people's doors and handing out business cards yeah. and mm -hmm. giving free seminars at whole foods to two people and one passed out homeless guy. Like <laughs> I did, I grinded this stuff out, you know, and it's just about like, it doesn't come fast. You know, there is no yeah. shortcut. And this guy sent me this email probably a year ago and he goes, Hey man, I just want to let you know, I had that blog printed out on my office wall i still have this photo on my desktop and he goes i you know i think he had just graduated from grad school or college or whatever and he's like i could not get a job for almost a year and i had that thing on my wall and i just wanted to let you know i finally got a job <laughs> that's awesome and like like this is it, it inspired me to keep going and i'm like man this is the coolest thing i've yeah, ever gotten that's a paycheck right there well yeah and i you know and i have gotten probably 10 or 15 of these emails over the past eight years where I go, you got to sit back and take a second and go, all right, this is, I don't have a nice car, but this is really worth it. You know, <laughs> oh, like, man. You know, so I think, I think people, it's tough to tell people that it's a good idea. Um, but there, there are rewards, but it's also, 
I think I bring a pretty relentless work ethic to it and pretty, you kind of develop a tough skin and, you know, I don't, I don't think there's enough time for me to do all the things I want to do. Um, but I like, don't think that I just like drop this fucking blog post out of the sky and like pixie yeah. dust on it and shit. I'm sweating this shit for like yeah. three, four days sometimes. And like, I'm handing it to my wife going, will you edit this? I don't know if it's any good. And she goes, you're right. It's not any good. Here's what <laughs> you need to do. And I'm like, fuck. And, and then I just delete the whole thing or whatever. Like you battle, you know? And like, yeah. and it's, you know, it's a real, it is not a physically painful thing, but it is a struggle, you know? And yeah. like, you know what it's like, you know, where you're just pacing around, for like four hours and like you, you've cleaned your entire house and like dishes are done. <laughs> the laundry is folded. Yeah. The yeah. fucking Windex is on the window. <laughs> Some, somebody's like, how's the, how's the story coming? You're like, oh, I wrote a sentence and then my house is spotless. Well, then look at the house. That's nice. I also <laughs> feels good. Cooked a pot roast. Uh, you know, like you gotta have a clean space. Right. And <laughs> yeah, so, right. yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a lot. I think people should be less afraid of it, but I also think, people should be less afraid of the work that it involves, you know? And I mean, I worked jobs growing up where you were like, it's a funny work ethic that got instilled. I don't know if, I don't remember anybody telling me, you know, like, Oh yeah, you got to work hard. Cause people say that shit and you don't know what it means. But I had jobs where it was like, okay, I hired you for four seventy five an hour. Maybe four sixty five was my <laughs> dishwashing job, you know? And you're like, Holy it's shit. like you and your buddy. Yeah, no shit. That dates how old I am. <laughs> And uh, you like you don't go to your boss like, hey, Phil, it's nine p.m. We're tired, tired of working. We've been here for <laughs> been here for four hours. What do you think? He would just be like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> you wash all the dishes, yeah. then you get to go home. Oh, you know, after you mop the floors and like, this is your job. You do your job and then you leave. And and I have those things like working on assembly lines, like all these little jobs I had growing up, where you were like, well, that's the definition of work. And you know, I take the same approach to all the other stuff. Is it done? You know, like, did, I, you, did I meet the deadline? You can leave those jobs. Like, okay, when 10 o'clock, 1030 rolls around, you're leaving the dishwashing job. Now, yeah. as a writer, let's keep it in the adventure or outdoor realm. You you are your own boss. Yeah. Do you ever get a leave and do you ever let yourself fucking go home? <laughs> no. No. See, that's I, another you know, thing about it. When I first, like, I left my last job and went out on my own, my, one of my, a guy who's on the board, president of the board, the nonprofit I worked at, Jeff Weedman, who's a longtime outdoor industry guy, he said, oh, you're going, you're going out on your own. Good luck. You'll, you'll be the toughest boss you ever had. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know that's if it. everybody is, you know, when they yeah. do that sort of thing. And it's just, it has to work because I don't want to do anything else. Like, so you know, at the end of the day, am I going to be like, oh yeah, I didn't try hard enough. So oh. I'm going to go do another job. You know, like that just trying hard is not a fucking problem for me. That's, that's all there is to it. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> like that just doesn't exist. Like if you want to, you're not doing it for money. I'm doing it for freedom. Right. Like yeah. I want to be a writer because I want to write, but also because I want to decide if I want to go out for breakfast on a Wednesday morning and not going to work until 11 a.m., you know, like, so yeah, that's, that's freedom, I guess. And I don't know. I can't imagine trying to do anything else at this point, but it could happen. You know, you could just lose everything and have to like do a different line of work. And some days I think like, gotta be cool to just be like into woodworking and self-furniture, <laughs> you know, 
there's no there's no take fucking... the Nick Offerman path. Yeah, yeah, like just like nobody's commenting on your shit. Like <laughs> right, like that uh, fucking baseboard works just fine. You know, like yeah, you guys should have asked him this. You know, whatever. Uh, there's <laughs> there's no maybe there is. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, you think about that sometimes. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't underestimate that that value of just trying, you know. What did mm-hmm. failure teach you? Oh. Those fucking beginning stages where you're just like barraged, you're sending it out, you're like, oh man, I think men's journal is going to be all over this one. And they, you know, you get your rejection letters and you get your rejection letters. What is that? What do you like look back on those days? What lessons did you learn from that that made you? hungrier how did you like stick with it you know what i mean yeah i don't know i I think i learned to start small to be honest with you yeah like like well men's journal which is a huge new york publication that works with really big name writers uh doesn't want my story but maybe the free magazine that's in the rack you know at my gear shop maybe they'll take my stuff yeah and you find out they pay like 75 bucks you're like i'm okay with that that'll help you know so I think that was probably the biggest lesson in like, I don't know. hasn't ever, don't they just like tell you when you become a writer or somewhere you read somewhere about how many times Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance got rejected and now oh. it's sold 2 million copies. Like, you know that and you're like, ah, oh, it's gotta, yeah. it was rejected over a hundred times. Right. And there's yeah. several books like that, that we all hear about. And you think Moby Dick, man, was Moby Dick rejected that much? Moby Dick. I don't think it even got read until Melville after he died. Like he never really made a dime off that. He died a pauper. A lot of people would say that's okay. Like they would be okay with Melville not making it. A lot of people don't like that book. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but, but no, that's, yeah. but I mean on the same track. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like who, who's, like just because you want to be a writer is that you are you guaranteed success you know like you're you're basically making up a job that like i always say if i went to my guidance counselor in high school and said i want to be an adventure writer he'd be like i don't think that's a i don't think that's a job i think maybe you should look into like accounting or maybe you could go to medical school you know like i don't know you know do you police are always hiring like, like heavy equipment maybe you could you know for sure and like because I don't know that there were the resources that he would be. He'd probably be like, I have to ask. Let me call around and see how you become a writer. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe right. Maybe get an English degree. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, you don't. Nobody's guaranteed work at this point. So, but nowadays too, you could, you could drive an Uber or a Lyft. You know, forty hours a week, and then pretty free to like try writing out. You know, or whatever, whatever you. It's, yeah, that's. It's easier to make those things, and I don't know. You can do. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's fun to do those little things that maybe bring people joy. And uh, I think those those couple books have sort of shifted my, my paradigm a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, Brief History of Seven Killings. Did you read Barbarian Days? Um, No, I oh, don't think got, so. What's Barbarian read. Days? Um, William Finnegan is the author. He's a... Um, he was a surfer. He's written for the New Yorker for like 30 years. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. incredible. It's a it's, surfing book. Yeah, and it yeah. is not going to inspire you to surf. Maybe it will, but like probably in the first 50 pages, he goes, if you didn't start surfing by the time you're a teenager, you're never going to get any good at it. <laughs> and you still read the book. I and fucking like, stood up like five times. Dude. Yeah, exactly. And surf. <laughs> I was talking to my friend Alex Strickland about it. He uh, is the editor at Adventure Cyclist, and I went to journalism school with him in Montana. 
and he just goes, that's what you get for like three decades writing to the New Yorker, you know, his beautiful book, you oh, know? Wow. Yeah. Um, I and I read, I read all pretty much everything Alex sends me. We just email each other. He's like, you know, if you like that, you would like this guy. And it's, it's always, it's often like literary journal articles and stuff, but he just recommended this book called, uh, uh, the world's largest man by this guy, Harrison Scott key, who grew up in Mississippi with a dad who was like, um, very masculine wanted his kids to hunt and fish and do all this stuff and he didn't want to do any of that stuff <laughs> so it's a memoir and it is no shit probably the funniest book i've read in 10 years my damn god. dude you're just around my hand writing yeah. this stuff he down. Is, oh my god it's so funny and it ends up being really touching too like he i mean there's this whole this whole like three page section about how his wife wants to potty train the kids by the time they're like two and a half and he just goes through, they're like shitting all over the house <laughs> it, is, it is incredible but it's also just his descriptions of his dad and, and like his himself and his brother and like how how he was just like you know bungling his way through all these things and was unable to shoot a deer and um <laughs> just fantastic stuff and you know it's i don't like if you don't read good writing how are you ever gonna learn how to write like if all you read is twitter like what are you gonna do you know so fucking hunter s thompson speaking of him yeah when he started writing he sat down and transcribed a farewell to arms that was like one of the just sat at his typewriter and typed it out he also used to read the bible to get psyched for the tone in the bible and you can see it too like when you read he's got a little revelation in there yeah that's what i'm saying it's fantastic um when you read just as it piggyback on that when you read do you ever read things and you're like fuck man i'm like awestruck and i'm i'm never gonna do like do that like when i read the dog stars i was just like this is something i will never climb v16 i will never climb (laughs) v15 i will never write a book as good as the dog stars no matter how much i try do you ever have just like awestricken moments when you're reading oh yeah well, I mean, if you don't try, you're never going to fucking do it, though, right? I mean, Oh, dude, I've been trying I mean, for a long time. <laughs> like, I'm pretty confident. I'm comfortable. I'm, like, uh, truly comfortable with that. No, that's a great book. But I think, like, what impressed me most about that was, the, like, the gruffness of the narrator's voice at the beginning. Yeah. And I think his voice changes throughout the book. The Sig voice. Sig, yeah. I think he becomes less gruff later, yeah. um, which is interesting, but... That is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You can't. I don't think Peter Heller's stuff has ever won an award, has it? I don't. I think Peter Heller's stuff's pretty niche still. But to it's tell a, you the truth, undeniably awesome. Like you the painter I mean? is arguably a much better book than oh, the Dog Stars. Arguably, my friend Sinjin would agree with you. But it's I, put together better. You can tell a dude he's more polished as a f- uh, fiction novelist, mm. in my opinion. Yeah, this is in your opinion. Let me quote. Let me quote your hero Eddie Vedder back to you. Whoa! The way we're getting, Don't fucking quote bad Eddie Vedder back to me. When they're bro. getting, I think they're getting a Grammy for for ten, and he gets up on stage and goes, "This is kind of weird, giving awards for art." That like, was actually Vitalogy, and the Vitalogy. song was "Best Hard Rock Song, Spin the Black Circle." Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's <laughs> I guess we should be proud of this, but it it really doesn't mean anything. What is that? It's objective, right? What does so. an award for art mean? But yeah, I mean, of course you do, right? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, was like, he doesn't stop you from trying a little bit, you know, like. Totally. No, it's inspiring. I mean, you also think about, uh, I think about how big of an audience do you need? How big of a following do you need to 
consider yourself like considered to be worth it right like yeah i think at a certain level you start getting a lot of hate you start getting a lot of people just shit talking to you because you're successful like thankfully i've remained below that threshold i probably will my entire life but i don't like i sit back sometimes and be like this is enough this is really cool like i'm making a living like Mm -hmm. i get to hear people's stories at book signings or wherever i meet them or you know i get to meet people because i just put some shit on the internet and like yeah that's pretty awesome and like i'm not living uncomfortably i'm i'm doing okay you know like i don't have a massive retirement fund or a lot of square footage in my house but like this is cool this is a really cool way to to make a living um so yeah self-satisfying and i like if you win an award (laughs) does does he just like oh cool I am fulfilled now. No, you know? fucking doesn't and, mean anything. And I'm my sure. marriage is working out and, you know, like, and everyone loves me. Like, <laughs> you know, I did this talk at uh, Ignite Boulder a couple of years ago called uh, The Joy of Making It Small. And it's like, yeah, yeah. One, of the, yeah one of the things is like <laughs> talking about Brad Pitt and like, I'm sure he wanted to be an actor, right? Yeah. Did he want to be famous? Maybe at some point he wanted to be famous, but I guarantee you anybody who's famous at the point where they become famous, like after a while, they're just like, fuck this shit. Like yeah. this sucks. Like you no longer can just like, oh, I'm just going to take this book down to the coffee shop and I'm going to get a latte and chill out on my Sunday morning because you'll be, people will be all over you. Like, like oh, I'll buy fucking groceries. Pay. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't pay somebody to get groceries yeah. for you. You can't, you're like, oh, we're out of fucking bananas. I'm making a smoothie. I can't go to like. 7-Eleven and get a banana because you know what you gotta fucking eat Mexican and you have like terrible diarrhea and you're like oh my god I'm out of toilet paper you gotta call your assistant to go get toilet paper for you you could always pull Michael Jackson and just like pay a shopping like a grocery store to just fill it with your friends and you can go in there and pretend like you're a normal person (laughs) did he do that (laughs) they filled the grocery store with like acquaintances so that oh, he can experience bizarre, yeah dude. i mean michael jackson is not known for yeah. being bizarre <laughs> think about like like you have to hire somebody to pick out avocados for you like do you trust anybody i don't trust that yeah man. Like, <laughs> you gotta squeeze that with your own skin like, i'm gonna go look at that i, I don't know if i would eh, that's that's not good that's i need to feel that cotto man <laughs> yeah yeah but, but it's very so. true though man like we have no idea who how many people are listening to this podcast and don't give a shit at all? Dozens, though. They're right. like, I know Feedy's mom is a big fan. She like hits that play button a few times. My sister is a lifelong listener for 13 episodes, and it makes it all worth it. But you guys are. We won you, the Lana McAllister Award. If you make <laughs> if you make something good, and you keep doing it. People will get here. You no, know? Like, it's, well, it's fun just for this. I know, just right? Get like, a fucking chat with interesting people. Yeah, and how long? How often do you we get to do this anymore as humans? Like, I know. I come on a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I'll just go over to Dave's house and talk to him. We can record it. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, you know, I was just gonna say, somebody just emailed me and said something. I've, I have not answered their email yet, but in the, I read it real quick, and it was like, it was something along the lines, "Thank you for doing what you do." And he just said, like, I just listened to your interview with chris calus from 2012 on the enormo cast whoa I'm like that is a seven-year-old interview people are yeah. still going back and listening to that stuff that's so awesome. that's a really good one too you guys get dig deep into the addiction 
Oh yeah. So it's, I, I was, we're going to put that in the show notes, like all of the oh, other yeah. podcasts you've done. Cause we didn't touch on a bunch of that stuff. Let's wrap it up, man. Thanks awesome. for, thanks for coming over. That was so much. That, that was our longest podcast ever. Oh, I think so. Holy shit. And Sorry I still have like 20 questions left, but we'll get, <laughs> we'll get those next time. You know what? Yeah. This was perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, uh, Tony Yanero. Really? Does he live? <laughs> no. So he's here for the CWA, the climbing wall. If I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean left. Cause social injustice don't give my respect now. Some say my heart, it's bleeding out of my chest. Yeah. If I had to lean one way. Well, it was nice. Didn't it was, you think so? Yeah, it was a quite good episode. Brendan Lennon's smarter than we are. I tell you that right now. I never speak, my man. Uh, fucking hey, our accents are quite strange. It's very pow. What are we even doing? Am I English right now? I don't know. I think we are. You've got a little Michael Caine going on right now, Ooh, and I quite Michael like it. K- He's like, Bruce, I, I cannot. <laughs> I like to. Sc- I can't do Michael Caine. God damn it. Anyway, Jesus. I'm sorry. I was I was on a roll. You were pretty. You were firing <laughs> out hot right there. You. Um. Anyway, that was. Thank you, Brendan, so much for the three hours that you talked <laughs> and the 45 minutes that we had to cut out of that interview because some of it was just rambling bro talk, not bro talk, just us like yeah. chatting about personal yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I hope you guys like that. Uh, check out semi rad, check out his writing it outside Buy his book, 60 meters to anywhere by his little book. Uh, 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 keep doing it till keep making it till you make it. Make it till you make it. Make it till you. Make oh it. my god, that book is so good. Um, yeah, if you're interested in to finding out the quote unquote secrets of becoming a writer in the outdoor industry, that will certainly get you on the path. Yeah, and watch his movies. How to run a hundred. Oh my god, it's it's available online for free. It's super funny, super entertaining, super heartfelt, and touching. And touching. Yeah, this man hug at the end. That's quite powerful. Yeah. If I do say so myself. I, I just did, though. I just said it. So should we talk about how... How you can one, win your wonderful shirt? listeners can win some free stuff? Yes, we should. Please, Dave, take it away. All right. So the number one way that the Thundercling podcast can survive and grow and uh, allow us to kind of do some new things, really the only thing you can do to help is rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, in mystical and strange <laughs> ways, it helps the podcast get searched yeah, and uh, ranked. I don't know what it does, but it helps in some esoteric way. Um, so Ten. in hopes that we'll get some people to rate and review us, we're going to try to incentivize you guys. That's right. To take two minutes. It just takes two minutes. Please. I don't want to beg, Petey. I don't. You're begging right now. Oh, man, I don't want to beg. I just, these cargo pants don't have enough room for all my begging. Um, Where was I? <laughs> so, what we're going to do, guys, leave a review. On iTunes. Know, only, like, you know, you can leave one star, but we're not going to take it. If you leave a one star <laughs> rating, you're not going to fucking win anything. <laughs> I mean, that's you can definitely do that. Feel free to do that if you hate. Like, if you listen to our podcast, and you hate it, and you're just like, I love listening to this podcast yeah. and feeding on my hatred. <laughs> Leave the one star review. We're not going to send you a fucking t-shirt, man. 
I mean, I'll meet you sometime and like give you a high five because that's amazing that you continue to listen and you hate yeah, it. Yeah, you so made it. Much. You like make it to the end and you're just like, oh, <laughs> wish those guys would die. But yeah, so leave a review, screenshot it, screenshot and then the review. email it to thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. Correct. And then Dave and I are going to randomly select three. three. And those three people who have to review and follow these instructions will be mailed one free t-shirt and a sticker, a Thundercling sticker. One of the t-shirts uh, was an access fund, was uh, sponsored the access fund, was given away for free, was featured on their website, I think. And the other one is, um, yeah, it, it the money goes to protecting bear's ears from that t-shirt but not this one because we're giving it away for free it was designed by it was designed by lynn Lynn manzuk Manzuk. who you might have uh recognized from sauce night correct so lynn has done a couple different t-shirts uh in conjunction with the access fund god i don't know why i said that i am buying the t-shirt so that (laughs) money is going to the access fund still (laughs) he's buying (laughs) it for you guys i have to buy it from lynn and then we'll give it away so we'll give away three so if you guys can just take a minute out of your day throw down a rating or review we'd be super psyched i would and honestly like i know dave wants to do it randomly but like i'm not gonna deny that there might be some bias towards reviews that might be have a little bit more character shout outs to ratty boy ratty wait boy. are you if somebody's like feedy is really almost an ephemeral presence who glows like the north oh, star damn. and he, shit, he makes my face flush when i hear his voice you're going to be I mean I will one. be like my finger will strongly randomly land on that <laughs> review um, completely randomly but like very likely to randomly land on uh, it so yeah uh, <laughs> I mean I don't know what Dave's going to do but let me just, hey look please I need I need a ferment I need I need someone to tell me everything's going to be <laughs> <laughs> all right Jesus um Anyway, we'd appreciate it, and we thank you for listening. If you want to get a hold of us, of course, as always, thundercling at uh, yeah. podcast at yeah, gmail.com. We, yeah, what do you guys think of this new format, or this like this episode? This episode is a little different. Very I, Did you guys like it? Did you dislike it? Hit us with those, uh, yeah. And at Instagram. Instagram, yeah. Thundercling. The, the Thundercling. Thundercling. every time, dude. Because they're different. Why? Somebody else already has Thundercling. Punk um, ass. Um, and you know, as we talked about in the episode, Facebook is dead. So don't even worry about finding us yeah. there. I'll post shit on there and, you know, about Thundercling and it's Dave's, Dave's keep thank posting you Travis Lynn and my mom yeah. for yeah. liking it. Um, anyway, thank you. Thanks again, Brendan. Yeah. We are off to interview a freaking climbing legend tomorrow Correct. morning. Yeah. Guys, we're, good. we're, we're psyched. We're psyched. This is going to be a good one. So. We'll have a, a little bit of an older fella next time who, um, let's see if anybody knows, he put up the world's first 513 BC. Correct. That's who we're interviewing tomorrow. Yeah. And that's just the beginning. It rhymes, his name rhymes with Boney Jambino. That is that, not true. Boney. Boney. Chigirlo. Chigirlo. Boney Chigirlo. So Boney Chigirlo will be on next time. <laughs> and for Feedy and Dave, Thunderclick wishes you a good night or a good day. Or a good day. It depends when you're listening to it. Honestly, it's really relative. Yeah, go to sleep. It's too late. If it's early in the morning, keep listening. Dave and I are but if it's too late, on a, we're to let, 
It's I'm so it's tired. so late. Yeah, it's we, so late. We, we're just so busy. It's just like yeah, we're well, so time. busy. Nothing. So much busy. Yeah. Okay. Fine. It's not that bad. But... That's pretty good.